This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Free Van listeners, and welcome to episode 77 of the Radio Free Van podcast, a Horse Heresy 30K podcast. My name is Michael. I got my co-host Derek here. Go and say what's going on, Derek. Hashtag RFI makes me bust. <laughs> Hashtag RFI makes you bust. Got powerful Scott over there wearing his robe. Here to signal, signal my virtues. God damn it. <laughs> Get him out there. Get them out That's there. Right. Let the whole world know that you're not an <laughs> asshole and that you are <laughs> elevated above them. Because if you don't. I'm not a raper. I am not. <laughs> I actually looked down on it. Yeah, I frown upon it greatly, sir. <laughs> and of course, we're just in. Okay, never mind. Go ahead. We're over that. Go ahead. Oh no, what's in? What just came in? No, nothing. I'm good. We're good. <laughs> well, that po- voice you hear there is powerful, Ryan Kimmel. Go say what's going on, Ryan. What's up, everybody? Oh man, now I'm forever gonna wonder what just came in. But yeah. anyway. We've got a fun show for you guys. We've got a fun show to kick off for you. Uh, we're going to go over our normal intro hobby progress like we do every week. Then we got some Andy Hoare announcements we need to discuss amongst you guys because I don't know, man. It's almost like it's like a, it's like a. I would say this is probably like a checkpoint in the level that is gaming. Li- like it's, it's like this is a save point. Because some, some incredible stuff happened this week, and like a whole bunch of people will be writing about this, and like, oh yeah, I didn't decide to start playing until this event happened. So, we're going to talk about it. It's pretty important. Yeah. Lots of people feel lots of different ways. Exactly. Uh, then we're going to talk about a cake that we sent over to Warhammer World. It made it in. It's, we're actually probably just going to incorporate that into the Andy Hoare announcement, because he's the one who got it. Uh, then we got some voicemails and spooky stories. I know one in particular that I have lined up is going to be powerful Sir Coxman's spooky story. So looking forward to reading that off. And, uh, then we're going to move into some, a couple questions we have that we sent, that got sent to us in email. We're going to go and read those off and give them to you guys. We got an Ultramarines 3000 point drop assault Vanguard list. And we have a Black Shields 3000 point list that we need to go over. So, who wants to start off talking about their hobby progress? I'll go ahead and kick it off. Knock it out, Derek. So, this past weekend, I went to San Antonio to hit up an event they were hosting over there with the, the Golars 222nd. Powerful Golars. Absolutely. So, this past week, I've just been trying to uh, get my stuff in line. And, boy, with this move, I'm not as far along as I would have liked to have been. But thankfully, they're all pretty cool about it up there. Uh, not a lot of people end up showing up just because a lot of the people, the TFL guys, had a whole bunch of stuff that going on. Uh, a lot of people up there going on because it is Halloween weekend. Yes. So uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. But hey, I got a pretty fun game in. Ended up being like a, uh, a 6,000 points of Alpha Legion versus my 2,500 point list and then 3,500 points of World Eaters. Who's World Eater Army? It was uh, Paul Sweetland. Oh, nice. Yeah, he actually uh, teamed up with me. 
And boy, that went about as I expected it would. Uh, <laughs> so my first turn, I had half of a 2,500-point orbital assault list crash against 6,000 points of Alpha <laughs> Legion. And yeah. I think I think it's a pretty, like, Ryan's had this discussion many times that if you're going to be playing, like, in a team game, and if you're running orbital assault, you better make sure your other team members also running orbital assault because it'll be, like, water smashing against fucking boulders. Yeah, that's what happened. Or drop assault vanguard or a Petarabo list with reserve manipulation turn one. Like something that you all come in as a group. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was expecting it to be like a, uh, you know, a few rounds of different games and different people. But like I said, there's three of us. So we did what we could. I had fun. I uh, did a lot better than I thought I was going to do. But uh, we lost. It was still pretty close. I think it ended up being like, uh, like 17 to 18 victory points. And this was the, what, the Port Ma event? No, no, no. This was their uh, Istvan 3 event. Oh, okay. Uh, Port Maws will be later this year. Okay. So I thought this was like a 40K, 30K event. No, no. We were just kind of hanging out playing some Heresy. Okay. Dig it. But yeah, so got some work done on my Wolves. I got to give a shout out to uh, Cody at Legacy in town. He actually hit me up and uh, he was able to get me that, uh, that Ironclad Dreadnought Chain Fist for my Contemptor. And that has got to be my, one of like one of my favorite, uh, my favorite chain fist for dreadnoughts. Like the closest looking that you could get to a prosthetic is your dreadnoughts arm at this point. Yeah, like so little effort from the tech marine that made that arm. He's like, I'm just gonna put a chainsaw instead of a hand. Well, I just feel like the don't expect to be able to do anything the, other than the, chainsawing stuff. The standard flipper. chain fist <laughs> a flipper. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't argue that. I just feel like the standard Contemptor Chain Fist, it's about the size of a chainsword, maybe a little bigger. I feel like a Dreadnought swinging that, it would just break before it breaks a tank. But that's just how I feel. But like, Yeah, I don't like it either. <laughs> what's like weird is like, okay, so like if I were to look at that, like I think to myself, okay, they make Chain Fist for Dreadnoughts. And they like have like a hand that has a chainsaw as the middle finger. Like some tech marine was like, hold on, I got a whole other vision for this. I'm going to make this less useful <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and make it to where it only chainsaw shit. Well, okay. So middle finger is a chainsaw. Sounds really good on paper. Like on paper, I'd be super down for that. I just, I'm not super big on how the, uh, how the kit plays out. Don't get me Everybody wrong. Everybody wants chainsaw fingers until it's time to scratch your ass. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> till it's, till it's time to hug hold your daughter. hands. <laughs> Yeah, we've all seen it. He he did pretty good. He got a job yeah. trimming hedges and shit, cutting people's hair. He had a meaningful life. Well, if you do that, your your dreadnought would never be able to sleep in a waterbed. He's going to have cuts all over his face. <laughs> oh, you're, yeah, you're damn right. You're, you're absolutely right, Ryan. If you replaced all your dreadnought's fingers with chainsaws, then he would never be able to sleep in a waterbed. Nope. I mean, those are just the kind of things you have to give up. <laughs> when, you, when you get interred into a sarcophagus and armored sarcophagus. Look at me. This is my life now. <laughs> this is what my life is. <laughs> well, that's a cool conversion, Derek. You should definitely uh, post it up onto the Facebook page and yeah. show everybody your flipper. Will do. Flipper incoming. What about you, Scott? What you got going on? What did you work on this week? Uh, what did I work on? I haven't worked on much. Um like I said, I got my order in for my first 500 points of 
an escalation league I'm going to be playing in, like locally here in Kentucky. Uh, I think I posted the format up on um, on our RFI Crusader page for all our Patreon supporters. But essentially what it is, is uh, it's just motivation and kind of setting an objective to have stuff painted, but do it at a pace where it's not like crippling, like you're just opening a box of 4,000 points of resin and like entering the Kumite. So, um, doing that, uh, my first 500 points is nothing too exciting. Two units of vets and, uh, HQ guy. So, but pre-bog standard, gonna, gonna get that painted up soon. The idea behind this campaign is it's, it's kind of a self-running thing, but you build a 4,000 point master list, like the goal you want to get to in the first two weeks is 500 points and it increases every 250 points every two weeks. So, and you play three games within those periods. Each game gives you, you know, by unit, unit by unit basis experience points, kind of like Mordheim. You get experience points if you live or none if you don't. And um, if you get so many experience points, once you hit a certain level, you get to roll on a chart and you get to apply like an upgrade to the unit that had those experience points. So that's kind of neat. And uh, doing it with all my some some buddies down here that are um, not like super new to the heresy, but you know trying to get uh get some more projects off the off the starting line. So it's kind of neat to. I've never done an escalation league. I've always just painted like commission painting style, where I just buy a bunch of shit and I just go to town. I just paint like fifteen tanks or six hundred and fifty infantry, whatever insane number it is. So uh, this is a little more. Uh, Compatible, I guess. I don't feel quite as overwhelmed. I can handle painting, you know, 20 dudes every couple of weeks or painting a dreadnought, you know, something like that. It's nothing nothing too uh, insane. So Grab Mike, the new Patreon guy that says he doesn't have any of his shit painted and make him do it with you. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, Mike, yeah. fucking peer pressure. It's on, brother. Like, days yeah. of thunder. I'm Cole yeah. Trickle. You're the guy who is the other dude with the Jufro, Okay. Time to paint. Time I'm actually. Going, so. I'm surprised the amount of our like. Did Did you see the other day when I can't remember who posted up in the Patreon chat? They were talking about like, oh, oh no, it was you, Ryan. You were talking about assembling those fucking land raiders, and uh, like there was two guys in our chat that were like, oh yeah, I do a commission assembly. Like if you want to send it my way, I'll you know we do commission assembly. I was like, that's a thing. Like people assemble shit for like commission. Like yeah, shit yeah, people do that. They'll do um magnets and stuff. You know, because not everyone's great with magnets or whatnot. But I got forty sisters of silence. I need to go to somebody. Like there's like there's there some fucking. Those are not fun to put together, at all. You can almost always guilt a friend into putting shit together for you. It's like a really simple plastic kit. And here's eight fire raptors. And go. <laughs> yeah, maybe not that. I'm not going to be a friend for long. If you do that. <laughs> my roommate put together uh, twenty of my sisters of silence and. I will continue to let him put together the rest of them because he enjoys putting stuff together. I can't imagine he, he enjoys it too much, but he left five unassembled so he could remember what his uh, what his like pattern he was doing to get them assembled quicker. But I got forty more coming in that he needs to <laughs> God, step up the pace. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's what I'm doing. I I placed order for all my bases and shit, so I hope to have that. St- stuff done inside a month like the the start date hasn't officially started if that's something i 
I was careful about wanting to mention this online because the guy who's running it's a friend of mine. And he was like, yeah, man, you guys should make an announcement or something. I'm like, listen, we don't fuck around around here, okay? <laughs> if I tell people that you're doing this, you're going to get emails from a lot of strange men from all over the world who are going to want to take part in your... Yeah, I don't know if you're ready for this undertake, but uh, <laughs> if someone's really interested or is something they'd like to do, I'll fucking uh, let me know, whatever... Let us know, you know. Let one of the hosts know on this show. And let Scott know. Scott at War Number Two. Let me know. I posted. I posted the format on um on the uh, <clears throat> Crusader host thing. It's really simple. It's nothing super crazy, but it should work work fine. You know, it should work well enough for, for our gaming group and stuff. So you know, you have a gaming group out there and you want to do something similar, and you kind of have people who fucking drag their feet don't get shit done this is a really simple like unburdensome uncomplicated way to get them get the ball kind of rolling on them actually getting their shit done so. hell yeah so there's it also that. has d66 tables that you roll on it so it was custom built to for tim to like it i've forced tim to like it yep, like that that's was really right. the only goal <laughs> fucking old school gamer callback to the d66 tables but uh yeah um, so there's that, uh, also Secret Santa, I got my fucking Secret Santa present in the mail already. Secret Santa is the shit, by the way, fucking, my Secret Santa <laughs> was Evan Sturman, and he sent me two Land Raiders and a package of apothecaries, so <laughs> I'm just saying, if anyone's looking for a benchmark on what your, how much you should spend been on your secret Santa. Evan Sturman just knocked this motherfucker out of the park. So I I knew I stepped up my game. I added some shit to to my secret Santa order. So everyone else should do the same. That's me pulling the two uh used paintbrushes and the dried up pot of GW Here is a Fucking couple of night goblins on sprue. Here is a Primaris Marine that came with my white dwarf. Yeah, here's, like, a, here's a diorama of Doom Rider jumping over the old Nagash model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Here is a metal dreadnought that cost me $97 to ship due to the weight. So. <laughs> Don't be that guy. <laughs> big shout out. Big thanks to him. That was really awesome. Made my, made my fucking day. I'll try to pass that along. That fucking night goblin comment. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Like of course it would plastic be. Work def copters. Yeah. Uh, you know we triggered we we triggered somebody that's like fuck I love that. Fuck this podcast. <laughs> fuck I'm never listening again. I was on board for everything, but that night God, goblin comment fucking broke me, man. Yeah. No and one talks shit about life. night goblins. Look, guys, I made it through the puppy story. <laughs> I was okay with hearing about. The Nigerian pirates getting slammed against the tanker destroyer, but when you bring night goblins into the equation, <laughs> you crossed a line. You cross a damn line that shouldn't have been crossed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's good. My cute nickname for my wife is Spider Rider. You leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs>
Someone's, about. someone's just gonna get those old lime green movement trays from Fantasy in the Mail and their finger Santa, and that's it. Like, what the fuck? Are these Macridge Marines? Did you send me Macridge Marines? Oh. Love it. What about you, Ryan? What you been working on? Oh, I built an entire, like, like all the Death Guard. Like all of it. <laughs> so all my Death Guard is built. Nice. So it's all built. So if anybody else wants to stop, start Death Guard, don't even bother. I've built it all and own it all. So. So you ready? So to I add? have. Uh, I have three Achilles. Um, five Phobos, a Vindicator, a uh, two Rhinos, which one was already done. Um, in MKA. Um, shout out to Shane Confer. Uh, I did an MKA course. Um, <laughs> Brag about it. Remind, a, <laughs> remind us in five minutes, please. Uh, um, a uh, Scorpus Whirlwind. Um, I built ten um, <laughs> veterans that are have some power weapons and shit in them. Probably use them as Weapon Master vets, maybe. Uh, weapon Master or Sniper, I don't know. They can obviously you can pick before the game, but there's two power axes in there. The sergeant has a scythe, and two dudes have flamers. Um, I built a squad of six uh, veterans with combi meltas. Um, I built two ten man tactical squads. I built, built fifteen grave wardens, uh, ten death shroud, um, a Tartarus Terminator armored Praetor. think that's it i think that's it but these all the uh all the um tacticals and the veterans um all have uh, the additional close well the veterans automatically come with it but the tacticals they have the additional close combat weapon so they're all armed with bolt pistol bolter and then a close combat weapon and i made sure that i put it on every guy like i did when i did my uh blood angel ones nice so Scott knows that that's kind of a pain in the ass to find enough yeah. fucking bits and glue all that shit on there. It's kind yeah. of a pain. Right. And um, this is the first time I'm not using molded shoulder pads. Um, I'm just using blank shoulder pads, and I'm going to decal these guys up whenever I get to that step. That's commitment right so, there. You know what's weird is this is I'm doing the exact opposite. This is the first <laughs> army I'm ever doing molded shoulder pads on. What's wrong with this? Why can't we do anything in sync? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so this Vindicator, it's the Forge World one, the uh, the Demios pattern. Um, but I don't like this little spork fucking dozer blade. It's pretty lame. So I think I'm going to convert the Forge World uh, mine plow slash dozer blade, like the one that I painted up for my Rhino that people have seen. I think I'm going to convert one up for this uh, indicator. I like that one a lot more. That one yeah, looks I do too. a lot better. So I'm going to maybe <clears throat> cut a little like trough in the middle of it and then put some plastic card on it where it doesn't look like it's just, you know, cut, cut apart with a hobby saw <laughs> to make <laughs> it look a little dressed up. Um, like, so the, like the 40k like the mine plow? <laughs> yeah, and the, the only reason I can't use that one is because it's offset it's off to one side because the 40k vindicator is off to the side and the the 
well, I say 40k one. It's a you can use that one in the 30k Mars as well. Um, the Mars pattern, yeah. Um, so the Demios pattern one's dead center. So I need to convert that. But yeah, that's it. I built a giant uh, Death Guard army, and then I did. This is my fourth podcast in three days. What a boss! So, um, yeah, a lot of people reached out to me this week. Like, uh, you're gonna get really sick if you like, you know, listen to which most people do. If you listen to a lot of the other 30k podcast or YouTube channels or whatever, you're gonna fucking really get sick of hearing me. So, it is what it is. I don't have to tell you. They call prepare me. yourselves. Prepare which, yourselves. Uh, which cast are you on, Ryan? <laughs> So YouTube-wise, I'm on the Outer Circle. I did that last night with fucking Cat and Maka. I, this is my, my third time on there, um, but the other two times I was filling in for Cat because of his accident. So this is the first time I was on there uh, where it was, you know, both of them, which was a fucking blast. They had me in tears laughing a couple times. Those fucking guys are maniacs. So that was fun. Um, you can get on there and listen to me and Cat uh, argue with each other about psychic powers for a half hour or sorry me and maca argue about psychic powers for a half hour while maca or while cat throws fucking like uh i don't know anyway he broke it up after a while and just moved on because i think he got sick of us going around and around but it was pretty funny um then i was on uh eye of horus um tim got a bug up his butt just to call some people and do a random thing and we were just you know, bullshitting in the little podcaster chat thing we got. And he just, uh, he, re he was like, do any of you guys that are on here right now want to jump on and do this? So George, uh, jumped on there and Sean jumped on there and I jumped on there. So it was us four, um, and Tim, and we were just talking about the, you know, upcoming rule book and multi-bombing being official and all that shit. And then, um, <laughs> Freddie, from Vranian Heresy wants to do because they've got a huge. He's been uh, approached by a lot of new people. Like he, like they had Scandus or whatever, and he said there was a ton of people that came up that didn't know anything about Heresy that kept asking. So they're wanting to do a series that's like how to get into Heresy, what's important about getting it, like super, super, super beginner level stuff um, for new people. And so he reached out to me and JP from Age of Darkness. So it was me, uh, JP from Age of Darkness, and then Chris, Jody, and Freddy from Varangian. So I was on Varangian Heresy. So Varangian Heresy, Eye of Horus, and uh, Outer Circle on YouTube, and then um, obviously doing this one now. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. And then... Um, I got a giant, I sent a picture to you and the patron guys, the giant fucking huge stack of email I've been trying to uh, work through, um, answering different questions and doing lists for people and doing whatever. It's a lot of shit. Yeah, it's been a wild week. It's been a wild, wild week. Tons of Patreon supporters yep. coming in like out of the woodwork. I think we had like, I don't know, five or six just like show up this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like that's what we were talking last night. Uh, Connor brought up that uh, he's like, "Man, I just signed up, and there's been like five people sign up just since I've done it." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's a lot of people." Do you think it's Russian trolls? They're trying to infiltrate <laughs> our network. I hope so. Um, <laughs> I fucking hope so. <laughs> 
Well, I like to think so. If you, if, <clears throat> for people out there that haven't been following what's been going on, there was kind of a big divide in the community over some like things going on, and there may have been like you know people that picked one side over another, and then there may be some people regretting that decision and all that stuff that may have caused this. And I mean, it, it all basically, I mean, I'm on side, uh, Scott and Derek coming here. So, I mean, I'm just going to side with that, that Scott and Derek coming onto this show is what's caused all this. Yeah. I finally so, got guilted into this. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, a matter of participation and effort. I can possibly bust so, so I'll keep so that's, that's the big happening in the I'll community. Try, but I can't that promise I much. Caused all this was Scott, Scott and Derek joining the show and it's just caused a huge influx to the heresy community i mean you can't have big names like Derek on the show and expect not to be overwhelmed hey, you, 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 <laughs> i do a little work is uh <laughs> i have what i like to call fan. a cam man after this but that's for a different type of patreon <laughs> if you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> supplement my income before as it was you know you know we're we're a pretty diverse community over there, but that's yeah. No, that's it, man. Been busy, been you know, doing all that, and then uh, been busy at work. We've been working uh, seven days a week here at work. We're in the middle of a planned outage, so been at work a lot. That's it. Well, that's all I got. Well, that sounds like a good old time. Uh, what have I been working on? Uh, so I did the exact opposite of you, and I ordered a shitload of shoulder pads. Uh, I got my test model done for my Skunk Works project, which is a Dark Angels Force, a a, uh, a traitor Dark Angel Raven Wing Force, and I I used a paint scheme very similar. Actually, I got the paint scheme from one of our Patreon supporters. And then I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to paint as good as you are, so I'm going to need some help with this. So I reached out to uh, Miles over at Little Legend to get some help and signed up for his uh, his Patreon, which uh, if you sign up for a certain tier, you can start getting like personal help from him. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And I sent him the picture. I was like, I want my stuff to look like this. This is the paint scheme. This is the, uh, this is the, the recipe for it what do I need to know to get this working? And he kindly like got it all broken down. Like he was like, okay, you need to do this. You need to do this, 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 this. And I was like, that badass. Let me try this. And it worked. It came out pretty good. Uh, I realized that there's some like decals that I needed to order. Like I went and got some fallout hobbies decals for the checkers. Cause I'm not going to paint checkers as good as they should look. Uh, so I ordered some of those. Uh, I've got 40 of the shoulder pads coming in for Dark Angels, so I don't have to go vinyl up all these Dark Angels. Um, there's actually a really came on my phone, Derek. There's actually a really good tutorial on on a uh, YouTube right now, and uh, it's for a, for painting salamanders, um, painting salamanders jet bikes. And this dude that's painting these jet bikes actually goes through like a four-step process. The YouTuber's name Chuffy, C-H-U-F-F-Y. 
and it's a four-part series and like this dude has like no like views like he doesn't have any like uh subscribers and i think he just kind of gave up the whole like i'm gonna be a youtube painter kind of prospect and just kind of went away with it but for this jet bike he painted he goes through this process of like painting it all up getting it all looking good and then he goes through this special process of like laying down decals on it and then he chips away the decal so you can still see the paint underneath it and then he seals it and he does all this like decal process to like make these decals look good and i was just watching like you know when you're like ordering a bunch of shit and you're like looking at every vehicle like every youtube video that has to do with that because you're like super excited to get it in that's pretty much what happened and i ran across this dude and he was super informative. Like, if you, if you're looking for some fucking cool things to watch, go look for up, go, go look up painting tutorial Schmitter scimitar pattern jet bike by Chuffy. He uploaded it five years ago, and it's just it's a solid little like solid little YouTube channel and a solid mm. little little painting tutorial. So badass powerful chuffy and powerful uh miles at little legend studio man i like i like what he's got going on over there with like the personal assistant stuff over skype is he a camboy as well yeah like, give him some pointers yeah and send him some novel outfits you know you know what? that's what i need to do I need to send him a send him an apron send him a hobby <laughs> hobby apron but Have you ever he, seen that? Pass, he kind of looks like the frisch's big boy you could probably send him a Frisch's <laughs> big boy outfit. <laughs> it just depends on what your clients want, man. Do they want a cam boy or do they want a cam man? I could be both, you know? Maybe you yeah. want to see me dance around a little bit. Maybe you want to see me hurt myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just have a conversation. <laughs> God's got bills to pay. It's all fair. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so because I've been getting into, like, my airbrushing, unfortunately I haven't taken any of the – mka class or ck studios class like ryan has like ryan took an mka studios class ryan you took an mka studios class right um i don't know let me check with shane and see if i took one yeah i took one okay yeah i figured so yeah because i hadn't taken any of that i was like you know what and ryan i can't milk ryan because he's like when he took his blood packed with him and so he doesn't want to lose his soul so i had to go and like like he tells me all this like cool stuff that he learns like but it doesn't like he doesn't give me like the recipe or tell me how to do it and all that stuff so i go in like underground and like try and see if i could find where like these studios fucked up and let out this information and if you go on to ck studio if you type in ck studios hobby hangout uh the head guy over at ck studios what's his name craig right something like that let me see hobby hangout ck studios he actually did a class for the hobby hangout where he teaches you caleb wissenbach he uh you type in the hobby hangout caleb wissenbach of ck studios he actually goes through his like airbrush cleaning process in that that hobby hangout and it's only got like 400 views so like it's out there boys blow it up that's what i use that's blow what it. i use it works good too he's got his little cup and everything and so he goes through teaches you airbrush maintenance teaches you uh like he doesn't teach you how to make like he's got a whole bunch of tutorials on hobby hangout but uh the one i watched was airbrush maintenance and so there was some stuff that i had to go order off the interwebs to make sure that i can airbrush sexually like uh like powerful ryan kimmel and keep my brush clean and so 
That's it, man. Going the uh, going the cheap man route until I can actually take a CK class and an MKA class. It's always it's always fun finding out that there's very simple ways to save yourself a shitload of money that you can do, but you just haven't been doing it. Like making airbrush cleaner out of just water and alcohol, or using hair dryer to dry shit. Like it's common sense stuff. You would think everybody would know. That. Exactly, like it's. Also, those things. So, I think what the craziest things was, and if you'll you'll actually see it in that CK uh, in that CK Studios hobby hangout, was the air airbrush pressure. I fucking like discovered how wrong I was fucking spraying my airbrush. Like I've always just heard, like, oh yeah, you know, fifteen psi. That sounds fair. Okay, so dump it to fifteen. Well, ba- it's all based on the consistency of the paint inside your airbrush. And so, like, you have to get this, like, card and, like, spray the card and adjust your PSI based on the paint. And I was like, oh, fuck me. I didn't know that. Like, apparently I've been spraying fucking just fucking right. like like a savage. <laughs> just Yeah, when yep. I first got taught how to, like, do this shit that I was just told, like, hey, crank it up to 50 and just fucking ride the lightning. <laughs> and that's not a fucking good idea, man. You're gonna spend a lot of time cleaning up over spray and fucking <laughs> your airbrush queefing all over things. It's just, it's, it's just yeah. making that noise that Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, pro tip. <laughs> pro tip, don't fucking do that. It turns out not not a, not a good call. It's like, God damn, y'all boys go through like six pots of paints per jet bike? Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of paint right now. There's just a shadow of like the model I'm painting on the wall and then the rest of the room is red. And I'm like, <laughs> but yeah. So I watch that hobby hangout, man, and he shows you how to adjust your PSI correctly and all that jazz. I'm sure you get a lot better hands-on in his actual class, but... I mean, just having that YouTube video out there really does teach you the cleaning process and all that jazz. So, if y'all have been wondering, that's the that's the that's the free content. If you want the full content, you gotta go take his class. Good old hobby hangout and Chuffy. Hobby hangout, Caleb Wissenbach. That's W I S S E N B A C K. And Chuffy, C H U F F Y. We're bringing Chuffy back. <laughs> Chuffy, if you could just come out of retirement and start making some more videos, your video was solid. I'm just saying that. So, but yeah, that's what I'm working on. Uh, had to order some Dark Angels decals, too. I realize there's no Forge World versions. Oh, yeah, really? So, had to order a bunch of Dark Angels decals. And I need to figure out at what point on the jet bike to put those little, uh, I don't know, Scout Rider fucking wing sets. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yes. I don't know what those are called. There's a name for them, but I don't have that name off the top of my head. But I uh, I got a bunch of those. One for every jet bike that'll be in my army. Oh, and uh, and uh, what's his name's back? Speepy's back. Speepy? Oh, the stems. Yeah. Stems. Oh. Yeah. Speepy stems, people. We actually mentioned it on the last episode, I believe. We talked about Speepy stems. We brought Speepy back? Uh, we didn't bring it back. He was back. I, I typed in Speepy Stems, hoping somebody was selling it third party. And he, in his eBay, because it's uh, he sells it off of eBay, you type in Speepy, S-P-E-E-P-Y, and it says, we're back. 
it says we're we're back and as good as ever he's like we're not we're not better because nothing's changed he's like but we're back and so yeah they sell uh, aluminum stems again badass so order a whole bunch of speedy stems we brought speedy if you've back. ever if you've ever lost the tip of one of those acrylic like flight stand rods inside the body of your land speeder fucking rejoice <laughs> you now have a new option yeah i'm actually so i ordered enough 60 millimeter lava bases for each one of those jet bikes and then a speedy stem for each jet bike and so i'm gonna get to learn how to airbrush lava and then I'm gonna try and go with some OSL on the bottom of the jet bikes, but we'll see. We'll that, see if that works out. That would be legit. Because you know, painting black is so fucking is so gonna get you a a medal and shit. <laughs> yep. Medals and shit. Medals and shit. But we do it for. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I got for Hobby Progress. That's what I did. Just ordered a bunch of shit and did some airbrushing. It's a good time. Oh, and uh, LA Totally Awesome. Forgot about that, too. Shout, yeah, out, hey. shout out to Scott. Right. Well, fucking dog, sunshine's on a dog's asshole twice a day, buddy. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah. So, if you're looking to strip some models, man, go down to the old Dollar Tree. Go take, a, go take your $5 bill and load up on some LA Totally Awesome. It, I, I did, whenever I fucking... Took it all off the counter. I took all this uh, cleaning solution. It's LA Totally Awesome degreaser. It comes in a little bottle. It looks like it's supposed to have a spray nozzle on top of it, but it's just like the refill kit. Go grab three of those suckers. Go to the front and be surprised when they tell you it's like two ninety five. <laughs> and then take it home, dunk your models in there, and uh, it'll get them down to the primer. Yep, biodegradable you- and everything, so it won't kill any baby seals or fucking. Make climate change worse or whatever. So there you go. Do you, hey Scott, do you use a like a wire brush whenever you're brushing your models, or do you just kind of use? You know the stiff bristle brushes that come in AR15 cleaning kits. God damn it! That's like exactly the, what I'm using. Yes. Okay. There you so, go. Okay. Yeah. You I, don't have to use that though. Oh, you really don't. I mean, it really what I have found with that shit or stripping models in general, like in, in general, it all comes down to what type of primer and paint you use. So Citadel I've noticed stays the fuck on. Yeah. yeah. Their primer, the games workshop primer, that fucking shit that costs 30 bucks a can. That's not, not coming off, man. I don't know what to tell you. But, also don't but use the, it. Like it just yeah. fucks your model up anyway. Just don't yeah. use it. But if you strip a model down, to all the way down to that primer and there's like a little bit left in the cracks you can just throw some some surface primer and an airbrush hit the spots that are still left and then you know paint all over again you'll be fine so yeah that's uh that's where i actually i'm using the the frog loop brush that came with the frog loop kit that stiff bristle there you brush. Go. Yeah, and that's good stuff man. it's it's definitely it's definitely cool. those those models have a uh, excess paint in all the fucking corners that i can't get to but they're as stripped as they're as stripped as they're gonna get. They were just test models I anyway. I don't remember if it was <laughs> the. I think it was the frog lube bottle. Like for for those of you don't don't know, frog lube is like a like a synthetic gun oil that's biodegradable and like it won't give you cancer, like COPD or anything like that. So on the it smells really good and it kind of has like a, a you know a simple texture and on the bottle it says something along the lines of do not eat this this is not toothpaste <laughs> so, 
<laughs> is it for you grunts in the field? Yeah, I'm fucking <laughs> spreading it over MRE crackers and shit. Yeah, pretty much. After jacking off with it? That's fair. I mean, you know. Moving <laughs> up packages of sandwich meat fucking them in the back. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's it's a vigilant war, you know. Any port in a storm, man. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So that's all I got. That was quite a bit more than I thought. It just kept coming. It just kept coming. When you hobby, you fucking hobby. This was a busy week. So, who wants to start? Who wants to talk about Andy Hoare and what Andy Hoare said? I could say it. Go on. So next, who wants to say it? I got the uh, I got the main points. I didn't hear everything that went on. I didn't have a chance to sit down and watch the interview. Okay. So here's the thing, guys. This past Thursday, Andy Hoare, who is, I guess, the head honcho at Forge World or over specialist games in general. Like, it's not, I guess it's not Tony Cottrell. It's Andy Hoare. I don't know if, I don't know who's who's boss over there at this point. I just know that Andy Hoare knows a fuckload about heresy. And he came forward, he stepped up, and decided to show up on Warhammer TV to talk about the latest Horse Heresy Edition 1. He had the rule book in hand. He was going to answer questions about it. He was having an FAQ. So naturally, when you have an FAQ like this and you have like an open arena of where people can talk to you, as a podcast, we can only naturally mob up <laughs> and send everybody that we can into the chat to go force the, the questions that we want asked. And uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, we had our Patreon people in the chat asking the questions that need to be asked, and we pretty much squeezed every. Uh, there was like five important questions that we we had to get out, and all five of them got asked. So I'm super excited about that. Um, but as far as I guess we can just go break down one by one what happened. And if you actually go to our Radio Freest Van Facebook page, I took. All of the important, I mean, it's like, it was probably like an hour long interview and I pulled that hour long interview and broke up all the sections that are important. There's a whole bunch of filler that you're missing. And the only way that you can actually get that interview is to go subscribe to Warhammer TV, but it's a good interview all the way around on Twitch. But I took up and broke up all the clips of all the questions that he was answering and the way he was wording these questions and things like that. Uh, and so that's on the Facebook page. Um, so I guess just like a, a, a quick like overview. So multi-bombing in the new rule book. Yes. I mean, that was like, yes. how do you, how do you feel about that? I feel like that's how it should be. Yeah. Good. I feel like it's kind of a foregone conclusion for most of us because we were already playing it. Um, I, I'm not happy with it. I, I don't, I've always been a single bomber. Um, I've if, never, if you're um, one I've of those, never, I've never advocated using multiple melt bombs. So yeah, I'm pretty don't advocate that lazy style of play, sir. Hey, you went there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't go there. I I was just saying, no, I, everybody who listens to the show knows that I'm... If, if you're one of those people who pushes your fucking Coke bottle glasses up on your nose and waggles your finger about how the rule book says only one grenade, well, you can shut the fuck up now. <laughs> 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 I, 
Um, the quote, the quote about, well, this is how we always intended it, was fucking, like, I wanted to cheer, like, that fucking gif of that skinny soccer fan that screams, yeah. Yeah. Turns out water is wet. What do you know? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm shocked that, you know, they make you pay a hundred fucking points for no longer than they, you know, intended you to be able to use all of them. Oh, fucking fifteen no. man squad of assault marines. It cost me three hundred and forty points. Holy shit, man! Like, yeah. <laughs> and only God one forbid of them they'd lying. be able to make that back any way possible. Like, yeah. No, that that quote. I think the quote was specifically like, uh, you know, the the forty k team of course didn't consult with us, and we were taken aside by it as much as the rest of the heresy community was <laughs> like, cause our intention was always to have all of the multi bombs used. That's why we priced it that way. And like, Oh really? Did, did the guys writing the, the guys writing the rules thought that you were supposed to have multi bombing? Okay. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> so, so yes, absolutely. Is back. Uh, I would say 90% of the heresy community played it as multi bombing. So if you're that 10% that, was a strict single bomber. I'm sorry. I don't know it. You're, you're fucking. Your days are <laughs> over, man. The true non-lazy people <laughs> who found other ways to kill. No, those, yeah. those, those hardworking <laughs> strategists out there that have to fucking. <laughs> now you gotta watch out. They can be, be big they salty can just, about all these all these multi bombs fucking out. They can just single bomb if they want. There's just going to have to come down to the, the fucking Luddite level with the rest of us. You know, us <laughs> fucking slump lords. <laughs> We're coming for your tanks, boys. We're coming for them. <laughs> uh, so, next question that we asked was, has Haywire been changed? The only reason we asked that is because of the amount of Haywire we've seen. And it's gotten a little crazy. But no, no, Haywire has not changed. It looks like it's going to remain the same. How do y'all feel about that? The little interview guy was like, oh, well, it's not very prevalent in the game. And I'm like, oh, really? Chip, chip, cheerio. How about these fucking Mechanicum guys with 30 fucking Haywire shots? <laughs> <laughs> what about these prevalent. fucking grenade launchers that shoot fucking Haywire at me? <laughs> this Solar Ox Tech Marine. Yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah. Why do I got to fight a Storm Lord that has goddamn fucking... <laughs> Vulturax or whatever? Like, come on, bro. In his defense, he. Has I'm not. I'm not against too chuffed about it. I just, out of all the things that I guess, like looking at the big picture, I'm just happy the things that went right went right. So I'm fucking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm good not with mad it. at it. I, yeah. Like I was just more confused when the guy was like, "Oh, well, there's not very much haywire." I'm like, "Oh, except that there's you know a mechanical list <laughs> that I can those... build that every goddamn unit in the army has haywire." Yeah, except for I those mean, guys. Yeah, yeah like, except for uh, those guys. Except for you know me taking. Uh, Caleb Desca, Decima is my HQ, and then you know taking uh, the fucking Mechanicum guy with a haywire pistol, and then taking a bunch of Mechanicum <laughs> troops with arc rifles, and then taking a bunch of fucking Voltrex with smash attack. I mean, besides that, besides the entire army of haywire, yeah, you can't really take very much haywire, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but that's not very pre- prevalent, though. As I feel is what he's saying. Yeah, no, you're not. Mechanicum's getting... <laughs> not prevalent. <laughs> That's, that sounds like what he's saying. Yes, I don't know. Whatever. In his in his test environment, it was not prevalent. So, the next thing that we did ask was, and actually, it popped up on 
whether or not they receive the FAQ cakes and if they will be addressed for the Legion books. You could tell they were trying to sidestep around FAQ cakes term. They were trying not to use it, FAQ and cakes together. But uh, they did ask about the FAQ being addressed for the Legion books. And uh, the answer was, yes, they are going to be getting an FAQ put together for the for the Legion's books. However, they're so busy converting the Imperial Armor books over to 8th edition right now that it, 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 it will come after that. So they're letting the community kind of police itself right now while they're busy taking care of that. Well, to, to channel Maca right now, I mean, they supposedly playtested it for three years. I mean, you'd think if this was like <laughs> something that was planned for that strategically and, you know, 8th edition wasn't just something that just kind of fell into everybody's lap and they decided to do last minute that, you, you know, you wouldn't still be working on it. But, you know, I don't know. Read into that what you want to read into that, I guess. Just look into it, man. <laughs> Look into it. <laughs> just saying. Just look into it. Ask any profo. Look into it. <laughs> Most of that shit, I feel like I feel like we're concentrated enough that <clears throat> you know we we do a pretty good job of policing that up anyway. So we can wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would say that the only FAQ issues that really stand out that I always get like asked or that like dreadnought it, drop pods. dreadnought dreadnought drop pods dreadnought <laughs> talons and melted bombs like those were like the things those were the things that came up. We're and, down to and, two. And so, yeah, so Dreadnought Drop Pods and Dreadnought Talons, if you could just just give us an answer for those, we'd be fantastic. And all the other, you know, Kate questions out there. So, next thing up is, will Horus Heresy be losing its armor facing? The answer was no. You're going to have to not be lazy. (laughs) (laughs) And keep your tanks turned the direction... That they need to be turned, and that's going to be a factor <laughs> yes. on whether or not you get shot, and whether or not it hurts in a particular way or it damages you more. It's all going to. I mean, if you show rear armor, and you're and you're going to continue to have to do super hard shit like draw an X through your tank and continue that line on to and decide which fucking part of that, you know, four pieces of pie that you've drawn. Uh, the unit that's shooting at you is in. It's pretty difficult. If but, I've told you once, Ryan, I've told you a thousand times, we do not believe in that science magic you're talking about down here. Okay, sir? <laughs> so you take your beliefs. Don't you dare put those on me. <laughs> if I could see the side of your tank. Our, Army Painter Army painter makes this cool little laser that projects a line on the tabletop. If you're that worried about it, you can pretty easily shine that through your tank, and it'll throw you a line all the way across the table, and it's like... You can tell in about two or three seconds where fucking something is in an arc. It's pretty we're gonna easy. Have to, we're going to have to deal with that geometry witchcraft just a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Until <laughs> the good Lord Throw can come hard, down and, but... <laughs> and bring us heathens to 8th edition. <laughs> if you are fucking old enough to buy super glue, you're old enough to figure that shit out. Yeah. Goddamn. <laughs> Will Horus Heresy continue to use templates? Yes. Yes, it will. <laughs> so, so yeah, man. So you can keep your, uh, keep your Legion-specific templates that you picked up and uh, still rock those around. We like to keep the little man still in business. I know there's custom template makers out there that need jobs, and 
and that that's what Andy Horst trying to do. He's trying to put businesses back in. He's I mean, creating I, three thousand new jobs just by keeping <laughs> templates in the book. I mean, I do get the argument for losing templates. Uh, I think that does speed the game up when you're not trying to figure out, you know, who's under what. But I mean, you do. I, Have you it, seen trying to shoot a Bathrisk in fucking Eighth Edition, where you got to roll? a die to see how many shots you get, and then you have a guy that spends a command point that you get to re-roll that, and then you see how many shots you get, and then you roll the hit with that many shots, and then you get a guy spend another command point and then re-roll those shots, and then you roll to see how many times you wound, and then you spend a command point to see how many times you wound, and then they get to roll their saves, and then they spend a command point and get to re-roll their saves. You think that's faster? Well, I mean, spending command points and re-rolling saves, like, re-rolling saves is re-rolling saves. That, that doesn't have anything to do with the template, but... There are some occasions where you've got a template up, and I, I'm just saying there, there's been times where templates have dragged the game down. It's not every time, but like I said, I understand I the argument. That, I'm not I trying think to say that multiple. I think that multiple barrage is about the only time, and it's fairly rare, um, unless you just got somebody that just runs a shitload of quad mortars. But other than that, it's. I mean, I just always hand my fucking template to my opponent and say. How many guys do I get? And I let them decide. And I don't fight with them on it. And I roll my dice. And I've yeah. never had a fucking argument a single time. I'll tell you this. I think the biggest issue with templates when people make the argument of like, well, I had a debate between my opponent of how many I covered and how many I didn't. It's like, I got news for you. That is not the fucking template's fault. That is a fucking social problem. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. That's true. <clears throat> That is a broken social so. contract between you and your... Yeah, you, you two are fucking... And, and whenever nerve, like you do something Whenever you do something like that, I like I always make sure before any dice are rolled that everybody's in a grant. So, like, before you roll for your assault distance... Yeah, charge range is Earth, a big, big one with that. Yeah, just fucking measure beforehand and go, this looks like eight inches to me. Do you think this is eight inches? And then when they say yes... Then when you roll the dice and you roll eight, then it is what it is. They can't, you know, you don't roll yeah. and say, I rolled don't eight. Don't ever be the guy down. who agrees on a range, rolls it, you roll an inch under, and then be like, well, I just want to remeasure it. If you do that, lose my fucking number. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. no, <laughs> excusable. We'll actually well, be dishing I'll out. People, I'll, see people roll, I'll see people roll beforehand and then go to measure, and it literally is, like, right on the line, like, almost too close to call. Like, they're literally could be be a defect in the fucking tape measure that makes the difference it's that close and it's like see why didn't you fucks just measure beforehand and then decide and then yep. there wouldn't be the conflict of interest there you have That's it, all you yeah. gotta do it's pretty easy look into it <laughs> look into, <laughs> into it. it just just don't be a dick yeah so yeah templates are still in template makers you still have jobs you're welcome thank you powerful Andy Hoare um and all the other rules writers. Thank you, based Andy Hoare. <laughs> so has D-Weapon changed? Yet. <laughs> no. D-Weapon staying the same. No. Still in the book. Exactly the same way. Uh, the, they're, the, they Apparently, they still have in the book the alternate D-Weapon rules if you want to use them. But no. D-Weapon is still... Did he say that? I didn't hear him say that part. I watched yeah, the interview. He addressed it. Yeah, that's what he said. He said that there is alternate D-weapon rules inside the book. But I think he might have been actually referring oh, I, to the Legion's book. 
Right, but I thought that he said we had those rules and the other rules, and he said that the people that we polled seemed that they were fine with the normal 40K original D rules. So I, that led me to believe that that's what they went with fully, and that's what will be in the book, and there will be no reference to the old style. Hmm. Well, well, we'll, we'll see. see soon enough. Yeah. We'll see. Folks. I mean, I never, I was fine <laughs> with the alternate rules, but <clears throat> I, we typically just played with the standard 40KD rules. I mean, it's not. I don't really give a fuck, and it doesn't come up, you know, much. No, the only thing that's D that's uh, halfway common is the uh, close combat attacks on a knight, or if somebody yep. rolls a six on an Atropos, that's really it. And then uh, Scott has a shadow sword. You see a yep. shadow sword or a falchion every once in a while. That's really, but I mean, that's only in big games, and you're talking like one thing on the table yeah, has it's, that. It's only one one shot too, typically. So yeah, it's <clears throat> not that big of a deal. So they kept the D powerful. And the last thing is invisibility still in the book. No. No, it's not. Good riddance. So ha, invisibility ha, ha. actually got replaced by a power called Mind Howl. And so Mind Howl is a malediction that targets a single enemy unit within 12 inches. While this power is in effect, all models in the target unit reduce their blitz skill and weapon skill to one. So they clearly, like, out of all the psychic powers, they did not change except for Mind Howl. They took invisibility. Well, we don't know that. They may have changed other ones. That's just the only one they gave an example of. Oh. Well, he had mentioned that all the psychic powers were were staying the same, except for demonology. No, he said the psychic phase, he said the psychic phase is staying the same. He didn't say anything about individual powers. He just said the psychic phase is staying the same. Well... They made sure to take invisibility out and address it. Yeah, and so because it was, I'm not saying that they they are all not exactly the same. I'm just saying that they didn't say one way or the other. They just only gave invisibility as an example. Gotcha. So that's changed. <laughs> yeah. So, and that was a. Uh... I guess that could have caused some problems with some of the Primarchs and things like that. And I think that's one of the things we had discussed with Magnus and Lehman Russ just being ungodly with those. And so now that's off the books, man. Definitely step in the that right That was direction. a huge issue. When when 6th edition went to 7th edition, that was literally the first thing I looked for. Because if people remember Invisibility was in 6th, then they could have fixed it when they went over to 7th. And they actually made it slightly worse. I believe in 6th edition, it used to be how ITC has it now, where it made you weapon skill, blue skill 1. And then in 7th, it went to snapshots and like it got worse. So I think that was the case. But either way, I remember that it being, it being really bad in 6th edition. And when the first thing I did when I got my new rulebook and got it home was open it and flip to that and see if they had changed that. And then I was like, oh, really? Get fucked. This sucks. Yeah. So they they finally got it right the third time. I like it, and it gives you know if you're one of those guys who, if you if you have a dude that gets invisible, like gets the tele telepathy chart. Now, if you roll that power, you can just keep it, you know, because a lot of people will kind of self regulate and roll something else or whatever. I don't think that power is like overpowered at all. You know, I think it's pretty even. 
I mean, you don't want it cast on you, but that's kind of the point, right? So if you roll that right. power, I think that can take away that dieter's guilt, I guess, in a way. Yeah. No, it's it's to me, it's usable and and useful, and I think it's pretty strong. Mac, Mac thinks it sucks. This is this is the thing that started the the little bit of like we weren't arguing, like we, it was just more discussion or whatever. We were having fun with it. But he's on. He doesn't like that. He thinks that this new power sucks or whatever. So if you want to hear like an in-depth discussion on that, <laughs> go listen to that. We talk about it for like twenty minutes. Rock and roll. So other than that, the uh, that's pretty much all the major major points. Anything else y'all want to bring up or? Good. You know, I honestly like the fact that there weren't all these unnecessary, huge, sweeping-ass changes, or at least not ones that haven't been made aware to us yet. That's good. It seems like they took, like, actual time to critically think through this, take the things that people were really upset about, fix them to make a better product at the end of the day instead of just throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So I'm pretty stoked about everything he'll he'll get my fucking hard-earned shekels for this so yeah yeah i i um yeah i'm thrilled i'm 100 buying it um super excited about it uh couldn't be any happier like i i even said in the patron chat like i'm like these two <laughs> things are the only things that really matter to me the multi-bombing and the uh invisibility thing yeah. That my thing was if they did not address or change these things, then they just 100% aren't listening to the community. But if they if they're willing to if they did if these things changed, it shows that they're not totally, you know, don't totally have their head buried in the sand, and they're actually listening to their consumer base to, you know, alter things that a lot of people have you know big issues with. So yeah, yeah I'm pretty happy overall. I mean, gonna... there's a few things I would have. You know, there's always going to be a few things you'd like to see change that don't. Um, but I mean, it's like Scott said, it's minor. Like I'm, I'm thrilled. Like I'm not going to, you yeah. know, pick it apart and throw a fit. Like I may, have, you know, earlier, I'm, I'm just say, I say a little silly shit on here, you know, just for entertainment, just to be, you know, funny or whatever. And I'm not saying I don't believe that, but like, po- like saying shit about haywire, like, I mean, I, I would have liked to see haywire change, but I don't think it's like as game breaking. Yeah. those other things or get um, <laughs> yeah I'll get over it type of thing like so so I, if i sound like i was harping on it earlier i mean i do feel that way but i it's not something that i'm mad about i guess what I'm right yeah and, <laughs> and i uh, still hold uh, i still hold if you like it buy the book like even if it's close enough to the seventh edition rule book like yeah it kind of sucks buying a new book that's not entirely different but the sales of this book, I think, is going to be the biggest measure they have on what what, what direction to take yeah. the heresy in. You Absolutely. have to vote with your fucking feet, man. That is very, very important for us. To, I think, I don't know, I'm not trying to, like, impress anything upon people, but I'm a big uh, digital guy, so if they put out an interactive version with, like, the hyperlinks in it and shit, I'll be all over that because... Yeah. I can just carry my phone around. I'm so I'm such a lazy fuck, and I live in the 2000s that I cannot be bothered to carry out books anymore. <laughs> so it's fair. It's fair. Yeah, <laughs> I now have to have it like that. But I I would definitely second what you say. 
if this is something you know you guys want, and I'm sure everyone will buy the books. You know, I don't think they're going to have an issue moving these yeah. for some reason. So, well, I mean, like, yeah, if, well, even if you're part of a gaming group, like, even if you're part of a gaming group yeah. and you don't necessarily need to bring the books because you do have access to them, you know, still, it's a good idea to pick it up just to kind of boost those sales. Yeah. Let them know, hey, we like what you're doing. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Well, if it's just going to be a red book and it's at the same price points that the other ones, it should be like 38 pounds, which is like 48 American dollars. I mean, that's the cost of a codex for 40K. So it's not that expensive. It's really not. Um, And I think that amount of money is worth just them compiling. Like before, you had to carry around whatever black book with the missions you were playing in it around then you had to have the stronghold assault book if you you had any fortifications then you had to have your relevant army book or books yep um and then you had to have the printed off um faq and then you may have had to have another book with a different right of war or something in it that you were using like the new rights of war or something like that uh or a different foc charge or you know whatever and then if you're running like demon allies or something for word bearers, you had to have that codex as well. So you had to have all this crap that you carried around with. And now all of that is condensed down into this one book. Cause I don't, now I don't think Michael brought up the, the generic uh, demons demon. Yeah. The generic <laughs> demons that they're including in there for temporary uh, for demon summoning or, you know, ally purposes, you can use that little generic list in there, which is good. So you don't have to track down, an out of print 40 K codex. That was frankly yeah. a mess anyway, in my opinion, like now that we have this list, I wouldn't, even if you had the seventh edition book, unless you're just, you know, hell bent on using, you know, blood letters or whatever for narrative. I think I would just stick to using this list until they, you know, put out their official one in the Runestorm book or Angelus or whatever, whichever book that it's going to be in. Yeah, and uh, I would say you you bring up a good point about the price, like for fifty bucks, like just well, we don't know that what's going to cost. Well, just, yeah, like, yeah. If it's yeah. if it's ballpark around there, a little more, a little less, whatever it is, you know, aesthetically, in in like historically, we've seen those those uh, forge world books hold up their value typically a lot better over time because they don't get invalidated as much, and usually physically as a product. You know, the book, the trim, the binding, the bookmarks, all that shit is usually, I mean, I know it's subjective because it's an aesthetics thing, but I, I always find it to be a lot nicer. Yeah. So, you know. No, 100%. Games Workshop or, or Forge World, if you're listening right now, the sooner you can get a Horse Heresy Edition 1 mini rule book out, the better. No doubt. Because <laughs> I love me some <laughs> mini rule books, man. I don't I know that they'll do a mini rule book. I don't. I'm, I don't I'm see that. so sure they won't do it. Like I'm like so sure they won't. <laughs> Put that on a mini cake. Yeah, a little mini cake. <laughs> so one thing that like, you know, it, it didn't get brought up, but I feel like it will totally fucking just like if there was a possibility that Ryan's win in his sales could just completely lose the fuck out, is if we get this book in hand. And he go to the flyer section and it says, please refer to Death from the Skies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck. 
<laughs> like, because nobody brought it up. Like, I don't. <laughs> it would... I think everybody just assumes that all that shit gets ignored. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ryan, how fast would your sales be? Dewinded. Dewinded. I wouldn't be happy about it. Well, for one, if it, if they did do that, it would just be included into the rule book because, like they said, all relevant supplements will be included in there. Um. I seriously doubt it would be in there, but if it was in there and the Forge World design team designed it for the Heresy Flyers and had the relevant stats in there, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I would play with it. I mean, I just thought that it was always dumb that, you know, like we could literally, before we played the game, I could call you on the phone before I even come over to your house to see if my Zyphon died, why it was off the board, and if I have to even fucking bring the thing. Like, yay, <laughs> miniature wargaming at its finest. Like, it's just fucking stupid. So, I don't think it'll be used. I mean, that book was, like, it's probably the least used book in the, enti- you know, in the entire hobby, both 40K and 30K, of anything they've ever put out. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, no like, I, I, like, I have so many meme ideas for that fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I have that book. I own that book. I owned it. I bought it day one. Hey, just you to better see believe, though, there were people out there who shoved their hands, their heads immediately in the fucking sand and were like, this is part of it. This is how we have to play now. Like, <laughs> that's a thing, man. Uh, well, that's why I'm limmy. so glad that they're separate. Like, think about that. We don't have to deal with that anymore. Thank Christ. That's not even a question. Like, when 40K design team does something for 40K, cool. You know, that's fine. Great. You know, 40K people probably like that. But yeah. there won't be somebody in the heresy community, that one fucking guy that gets the ball rolling and it starts a giant internet shit fight about, <laughs> well, do we use this for heresy? When you clearly don't, but then you, you get one guy asking it, and then everybody's like, nah, fuck this guy, and then you got two or three other people that just want to be contrary or stir shit up, and then they <laughs> join Pick up their keyboard a. shields and go to war. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I really, like, if Forge World, if Forge World, if you're listening right now, you need to go out and get a, hey, we appreciate you, like, button or cake or something for the poor intern that you made write the Death from the Sky fucking new <laughs> data sheets for. <laughs> for. Like, he could have been working on the FAQs for Horus Heresy, but you made him work on these fucking Death of the Sky profiles that nobody fucking... Like, that poor dude, I know you're out there, man. I feel for you, man. I know that... You're looking at this like, man, I stayed up. I stayed. I came in on a Saturday because you guys wanted the Zyphon rules for Death of the Skies. <laughs> oh, poor guy. But yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. How that book just came and went so fucking fast. Like the community spoke with its wallets and were like, no, thank you. We will not be using that. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, we got we to gotta burn all these books now. We're, we're all set. <laughs> Straight from the it's printer like, I, to the trash. I don't know if we've ever talked about it before, but it's like the E.T., the extraterrestrial video game. Oh, yeah, there's Anybody like millions of those. Analogy? Millions of yeah, those sitting in a landfill somewhere. They literally, yeah, they, they dug a pit in the desert and buried them in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had, they had so literally... many that were, that, that were either unsold or sent back because they were shit and asked for refunds that they the factory had so many and they didn't know what to do with them so they dug a pit and buried them. 
It's <laughs> literally cheaper to do that than to ship them off somewhere or to store you them anywhere. Are, you are not going to hurt anyone anymore. <laughs> yep. That's what I'm, That's the exact meme I'm going to make for this episode is a giant <laughs> landfill pile of Death in the Skies book. Like... Being dug in a desert. Now somewhere. you can't hurt anyone <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Make them illegible. All right. So that's it. Uh, we're gonna yeah, talk about here. The you cake. go. So report reports from 1983 gave gave way to an urban legend stating that the result of overproduction and returns and millions of unsold cartridges were buried in New Mexico in a New Mexico landfill. In 2013, plans were revealed to conduct an excavation to determine the accuracy of the reports about the burial. And in April of the following year, the diggers confirmed uh, did that the burial did include ET cartridges, among other titles. So, yes, it is true. They buried a giant pile of them in New Mexico. Nice. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm glad that urban legend was found true, because if it wasn't finally dug up to unleash its evil upon the earth once again so yeah somewhere out in the uh i don't know i don't know what desert's closest to the uk what's closest to nottingham but there's a some swamp over there <laughs> some fucking horrible <laughs> fucking swamp. quagmire or whatever there's a bog dankest <laughs> pit they could find there's a hobbit hole full of bog. fucking <laughs> <laughs> there's a little hobbit house full of fucking death in the sky books out there right now <laughs> that seems like it would be a thing that's an English (laughs) phrase it's an old Pete bog alright well badass Uh, so next thing on the list is the cake Thursday we did send a cake to Andy Hoare he got it he addressed it on the Michael keeps saying we let's just be honest here Michael sent Andy Hoare a cake I did. Like, my, Michael was like, I'm sending this cake. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. Why are you so stupid? And then you sent it anyway. And it worked out this time. It sure so, shit I guess did. I have to apologize. I guess I should apologize. I don't know that I will, but I probably should. So I'll admit that I should. And you can either count it or not count it as an apology. Ryan, that up to you. never apologize to me. Ever. <laughs> don't you ever do that to me. I think the key to success was you put three different flavors on this cake as opposed to two. There was not just white frosting and black frosting. There was also red. And everyone knows red frosting, that's that's the money maker. I think my favorite part was uh it went like the G in Forge World looked like it said Force World. And then it was like <laughs> then like everybody started man. like pointing out all the uh, like they look like misspellings, and so they're like, "Thank you, Force World from Radio Free Iskvan. Always send Coke." <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's from Tony Ketrell. Like, like it was all these like these funky like spellings. It was, it was hilarious. Okay, it, it did say Iskvan though. It definitely did say Iskvan. I don't know. How it's our that... Swedish subsidiary. So <laughs> I don't I don't know how you had the logo from Radio Free Istvan on the cake and still spelled it Iskvan with a K, but you did. Somebody let them know that they're decals. Well, like you said, the people the people shitting on it on our Facebook page. God bless the internet. I love it. It's so funny. <laughs> the always in Coke like had me dying at work. <laughs> uh. 
so yes so he got it in he he said on the stream thank you for the cake uh so apparently our cakes do get to them so shout out to that so speaking of speaking of internet trolls i don't know if we recap this this week but have we we talked about the fact that someone sent a flame-throwing drone <laughs> after Shia LaBeouf's fucking he will not divide his flag? No, no, we've not recapped on that. But what? Free to. Oh, that my gets, God. That is a level of okay. escalation. I believe they Ryan, call it like a weaponized autism. getting into the details of things, but... so you Go ahead, Scott. Kind of, okay, so a brief history of this. Shia LaBeouf, you know, actor guy, real fucking crazy, always in the news for getting arrested, for being drunk and acting like an asshole well he uh he started an art project where he was going to stand in front of a camera in new york For and say years. he will not divide us he will not divide us as a way to you know protest trump or whatever and i'm not saying i'm on one side of the argument or another whatever but point the fact of the matter is the internet took exception to this because obviously you screaming at random people walking by the street is a real shitty thing to do so they started trolling him for it, and eventually, I think he got arrested for fighting someone or some such. Anyway, so he decided a safe way to do this was to hang a flag up somewhere in, like, rural, fuck, I don't know what state it was, but it was somewhere in the Midwest. And uh, he hung a flag up and put a recording of it. The flag said, he, he will not divide us, and it was up for 24 hours a day. You go on the internet, look at the stream of this fucking flag flopping around in the wind. Well, Reddit, being the statesmen and scholars, that this really does show the power of the internet. They fucking used the the stars, this the stellar pattern that reflected behind this flag at night to like geo. Also, also they were tracking flights on yeah. like tracking flights and then they would see like a plane flying in the air and then they would look for flights that were tracking in that direction based on where the sun was setting and rising to figure out and triangulate the location of the flag. Anyway, they found his fucking stupid flag and they pulled <laughs> it down out on live on the internet and hug uh, Make America Great Again hat up. <laughs> well, he fucking, he's back at it. He took it down for a little while and he was like, well, you know what? <clears throat> you know, I'm going to give it another go because people don't hate me enough already or whatever. So he hung one up from the top of an arts building in France. I, clearly, he didn't understand that Reddit doesn't play fucking games. Never did. <laughs> they found it. They rigged a flamethrower to a flying drone. It flew into the top of this building. It set the fucking flag on fire. Man. <laughs> so Dude, I love the internet. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> For real. Like, weaponizing technology, like, to, to well, control this like, guy. Like, what's funny now is it, it doesn't even matter. Like, people don't even care that it's Trump, anti-Trump. It's just that they're fucking with Shia LaBeouf because they think yeah. it's funny. Not like, enough of that could happen. We can all agree <laughs> on that. <laughs> Whatever way we can fuck with Shia LaBeouf, we need to invest our time in that. So... I like how somebody was like, yeah, I got an $1,100 drone we could use. <laughs> you don't want to go ahead and try and weaponize it somehow? We'll go ahead and turn it into a flamethrower. Yeah, I could possibly melt some stuff. Oh, no, it's all right. Fuck it. 
Just just let me uh let me shave off my serial numbers so that <laughs> <laughs> whenever the fucking law gets here and realize what we've done, it's not so big of a deal. I'm excited to see what the escalation of that is next. If you're a part of that super Reddit group that's fucking trolling Shia LaBeouf, uh next time just get one of those like super fucking lasers, those like twenty kilowatt lasers that you can just get. That just make things a lot easier. Like you just point if, it. If you're one of our listeners, I'll put it out there. If you're one of our listeners and you have helped participate in that, let me know and I'll send you an Imperial Space Marine. That 30th anniversary plastic Space Marine guy. <laughs> I have one of those kicking around because I am so impressed and so inspired. <laughs> like I feel like I have not. I did not truly start living my life until I saw this. And every day is a new day for me now. It's so good. If there was a Patreon page dedicated to trolling Shia LaBeouf, I'd make sure that got funded. Like I'd, I'd put some money down. It's a Kickstarter. <laughs> see, our mission statement here is to just see how far we can push Shia LaBeouf, and with your help, we think we can push him all the way. <laughs> <laughs> fucking to suicide? Like what the fuck? Like, it got dark. I, I, I don't. I don't know. We think we could finish him off. <laughs> we, we we can finish the good work that's been started. Derek's like fucking Cartman from South Park, gonna fucking end up with some people in the chili here. We, if we can raise three million dollars, we will grind up Shia LaBeouf's family. <laughs> And feed it to him <laughs> as chili <laughs> at a I chili mean, cook-off. <laughs> I mean, I'm just joking about fucked up. Dude, like, the internet is so savage that if Shia LaBeouf did commit suicide, they <laughs> Reddit would raise the funds to buy his dead body and then shoot <laughs> it into the sun, man. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just put it up somewhere, put a live stream on it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. All Good right. time. Good time, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, no, that 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 need that story need to happen. So, we're moving on to voicemails, man. And I feel like I know this is about the time you're about getting ready to jump off. But can you stay for Dan Porter's or Sir Coxman's fucking Halloween story? Yes, sir. Of course. Of course, right. I can. God, you know that I can. <laughs> Don't even ask. Just do it. All right. So this says, hi, guys. Here's a suitably creepy tale for October for you. I hope it fits the bill. Happy Halloween. Dan Porter. And Dan Porter's seen some shit, so, like, I'm really not. <laughs> yeah, this could be anything. Anything could happen. It's going to be straight just be like, I went on a trip and wore a cop costume and got some candy and that's it and then we're gonna all be let down we pulled it all up that, that's a halloween story I watched all a right. spooky movie with popcorn and then i went to sleep at a reasonable hour yeah <laughs> first off guys this is the coxman you know it's not gonna be that hi guys it's uh dan porter here with another story okay it's 18 minutes long i just need y'all to know <laughs> all right go ahead and pause pause the podcast get you some popcorn maybe refill your drink a little bit but buckle up buckle up kids for you so michael asked for some halloween stories for october so i thought i'd share with something with you that i think fits the bill so i want to tell you a tale about desire 
We all know that particular emotion, I'm sure. But what about when desire becomes obsession? Again, I'm sure most of you can relate to that as well. Just think about our hobby. How many of you look at the new shiny Forge World releases and think of devious plans to obtain the new shiny thing without alerting people who might otherwise try to dissuade you from that course of action? We obsess over many things, from the legions we choose to represent, down to securing specific components to make sure that conversion is just right. Oh yes, I think we're all familiar with obsession. But then, about what about obsession when it is for something that's not right? What about obsession when uh, the thing that we actually obsess about is not harmless? And how much of the time do we try and convince ourselves that it actually is when it really isn't? And if we can lie to ourselves about that, what does that make us? Hold these questions in your head while I relate my tale to you. Now, before I start, there are a few things you should know. Firstly, I'm not the protagonist for this story, although I was a witness to events in a both a figurative and literal sense. This story rather features a good friend of mine who, for reasons that will become clear, wishes to remain anonymous. He has kindly given permission for me to share this story with you, however. All of the names apart from my own have been changed, and I'll be vague about places and times as per my friend's wishes. Some of your listeners who know me personally might be able to fill in some of the gaps, but probably not enough to accurately know everything about everything I'm going to tell you. Thirdly, um, and this is a philosophical question really, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the metaphor of Plato's cave. I'm sure most of you have seen The Matrix though, and if you have, Plato's idea is the central conceit of that film. In short, I'm about to drag you kicking and screaming into the world, real world, and once you've seen it, there's no going back. So, as a fair warning to you guys, and I know you guys at RFI couldn't give a flying fuck about people's sanity, uh, if you are of a sensitive disposition and prefer to remain in blissful ignorance about what I'm about to tell people, please skip ahead, I don't know, say 15 minutes or so. Dear, just so the story oh, yes. takes us right back to my time at university <laughs> and the time I met my good friend, Colin. Colin and I had managed to get a place at a prestigious UK university. Colin, through intelligence and diligent hard work, me through a bit of charm and lots of blind luck. In any event, Colin and I hit it off from the start. We had an awful lot in common, for one thing. Most of our fellow students at university were from very privileged backgrounds, whereas Colin and I were both from inner cities and we were, had a working-class background. Most people we met either didn't want to have anything to do with us because we were working-class oiks, or they wanted to show us off as their new friend, like we were some kind of freak of nature. This is Dan. He's working class. He's read Sartre. Isn't he amazing? That's a true quote, by the way. <laughs> Apart from our backgrounds, we both found that we suffered from something often referred to as the imposter complex. That is a mindset that's born out of the feeling that you haven't really earned the success you're enjoying, and it compels you to do something to try and earn it. Both Colin and I had agreed that life so far had been very good to us, and we should use our good fortune to give something back to the wider community. And also, in the, in the process, assuage this nagging, nagging doubt that we were all imposters. We tried out a few volunteer schemes, but eventually we settled on a programme run by one of our professors that was to help educate and prepare prisoners who were in the last years of their sentence before they were released. To be honest, we both loved it. Uh, most of the men we met in prison were ostensibly the same as Colin and I. They were from the same backgrounds, had similar school experiences to us, had parents and siblings like ours. In fact, it struck us that but for a few poor life choices and uh, the lack of intervention at the right time, Colin and I could have been sitting where they were. 
in many ways it felt like we were helping our own. I started out teaching prisoners to read and do basic mathematics, but also ranged through to taking them through to GCSE qualifications. So um, I don't know what, quite what the equivalent is. I think it's about high school diploma level in the US. Uh, don't ask me what they do in Australia, I don't fucking know. Anyway, Colin, because of his academic discipline, used to do some kind of art therapy stuff with the men. The aim being to give them a hobby and to re-engage with people in a non-prison setting, i.e. most people outside of prison aren't going to shank you in the showers for your soap or toothpaste. It won't surprise you to learn as well that there's a direct link between low education levels and levels of reoffending. so it felt like we were helping them get a second chance in life. The prison we worked in had a low security rating, mainly because it was for prisoners about to re-enter society. Also, if you've served 14 years for a crime, there's not much incentive to break out when you've only got six months left to serve. That and the food at this prison was much, much better than standard prison fare. Even so, some of the prisoners we met must have done some really bad things. You don't serve 15 plus years in prison for stealing a car, for instance. We were never told who we were dealing with in terms of their crimes, nor indeed did Colin and I want to know. Our working assumption was that the prison authorities determined who we could participate in our courses, making informed safety decisions, and we didn't want to, our teaching to be prejudiced by the facts that were irrelevant to whether somebody could read or write or not. This might seem naive, but I still think it was the right way to approach things. In any case, Colin and I worked on this programme for a considerable length of time while we were at university. We've been working on the programme for a year or so when we met a character called Jerry Springer. Now, before you have a double take, the antagonist of this story was a prisoner we worked with who, funnily enough, had the same name as a famous t US TV host. For the purposes of renaming, we shall refer to him as Jerry Springer, although to be clear, this isn't his real name. Part of me is also hoping that someone skips to this part of the podcast and hears me talking about meeting Jerry Springer in prison but having a real what-the-fuck moment. <laughs> Jerry was very, very different to most of the prisoners we met. Generally, there were a very wide spectrum of educational capability, from basic literacy through to generally capable students who just hadn't had a formal education. Jerry, however, was very intelligent, or quite frighteningly intelligent, actually. He instantly memorised the tiniest details about you and would comment on them as part of his standard conversation. He once told me the dates on which I'd worn a particular blue shirt I owned, noting that between the fourth and the fifth wearing of said shirt, I must have had a curry as there was a small yellow stain on the cuff that hadn't been there before. He was absolutely right about that. Jerry did not need to be taught anything from my arsenal of skills. In fact, he helped me practice my French, being, as he was, fluent in the language. He was very awkward socially, though, and didn't socialise at all with the other prisoners. Back then, we didn't have the terminology for it, but I would guess today you'd refer to him being somewhere on the autistic spectrum. Whereas I had very little to offer Jerry, he flourished when he was with Colin. Jerry clearly loved Colin. I don't mean that in a, uh, a kind of a, a, sort of like a, a sexual way. It was like a dog. He, he, loved, he loved Colin like a dog might love a hu human. And he was really enthusiastic for Colin's classes. When he did talk to other people, which was very rare for Jerry, it was almost exclusively about what Colin had shown him in their previous class. Colin seemed to be able to reach Jerry like no one else, and Jerry seemed to benefit from him. One night as we drove back from the prison, I remember very clearly, Colin told me how Jerry had shared something with him in the class. Jerry had told him that, after much consideration, he wanted to attempt a piece of art he tried years before, but that had failed, in inverted commas. 
He also said that Jerry told him that Colin would be the reason that this attempt would succeed this time. Jerry had been cagey about the detail about what this art project entailed. But Colin assured him that he would be happy to approve the purchase of whatever materials he would need. Oh no, said Jerry to Colin. I'll be undertaking this project when I get out, which will be very, very soon. Now, as I said, Colin and I didn't know the details of prisoners' crimes, sentence or release dates, so it wasn't a statement that caused any due on alarm. The prison, uh, prison was for prisoners due for release, so a prisoner saying they were getting out wasn't unusual either. Equally, Colin and I believed that Jerry meant that Colin's role as a teacher was the thing that had given him a new artistic purpose. We had come to the end of our university term, and that also meant a break in our work at the prison. Colin lived in a house in the town, however, given that it was out of term time, his housemates had gone to visit parents, or, like me, had gone abroad for a few weeks to create a few Sir Coxman stories. The net effect of this was that Colin was home alone. Colin had been working on his dissertation in the university library one day. The campus was largely deserted, so he hadn't seen many, if any, people. Even so, Colin reckoned he had a creepy sensation of being watched all day. Unable to shake the feeling, and feeling exposed in the huge library, he cut his studies short and headed home. He'd been in the house no more than five or six minutes when the doorbell rang. Colin answered the door to find none other than Jerry standing there in civilian clothing, pull-along suitcase in tow, and a giant shit-eater grin on his face. Jerry pushed his way into the house with the same Labrador enthusiasm he always displayed around Colin. Taken off guard, Colin asked Jerry what he was doing there, not even registering at the time how the fuck Jerry knew where we li he lived. Jerry was a, was a bit taken aback by Colin's question, stating that it, as if it were blindingly obvious, that he was there to get started on his art project. Colin was a little concerned, but not massively. Jerry had never shown any violence to anyone in prison, which in itself was very unusual, given that there would often be a fight between prisoners, or the threat of one at least, once a week in the classes. At this point, Colin was mostly concerned about how he was going to explain to Jerry that his behaviour was not really appropriate and get him out of the house. Colin tried a few different tacks, offering him a drink, putting on the TV to distract him, asking him if there was anything he wanted to eat. Jerry rebuffed them all, saying he just wanted to get started on his art project and just needed Colin to say that it would help him. Mercifully, at this point, the phone rang. Now, this is in the age before mobile phones, so I'm talking about a physical phone on the wall with a cable type thing. Colin answered it, and in, uh, the conversation went something like this. Hi, is that Colin from the tutor program? Uh, yes, yes it is. That's great. This is Dr. Kimmel, made up name, and we were hoping you might be able to help us with something. Sure, anything. Excellent. Now, I don't want you to panic, but can I ask you if Jerry Springer has made contact with you? Just say yes or no. Yes. Great. And is he with you right now at all? Again, just yes or no? Yes. Colin told me at this point a knot of panic had started forming in his gut. OK. So not to worry, says Dr Kimmel. The police are already on their way to you. Just keep him talking, but avoid the subject of his art project if at all possible. <laughs> he, he likes opera, if you don't, didn't know. Try that. And then he hung up. Colin told me that as he turned round to look at Jerry once more, it was as if he was seeing Jerry for the first time, and it was a scary experience. They say you don't really know the real psychopaths because they're very good at hiding it, mainly because they don't see themselves as being in the wrong. When Colin looked at Jerry, he could see the psychopath that he was.
He wasn't harmless and a bit odd. He was very, very dangerous. The reason the other prisoners didn't talk to him wasn't because he was socially awkward. It because it was they knew full well what a maniac he was. When you're surrounded by potentially dangerous people all day, I guess you know what signs to look for. It is just as poor saps without that experience that don't have the first clue. Jerry was staring at Colin with a terrifying intensity, and Colin really thought his time was up. Who was that on the phone, Colin? asked Jerry. All that? Uh, that, was, uh, that was Dan, said Colin, thinking on his feet. That reminds me, Dan has some opera CDs in his room. Would you like to listen to them? Colin lived with two music students, so he was hedging his bet that they might have some opera in their collection. In truth, though, Colin was planning on escaping out the bedroom window and running for his life. Fuck the instruction to keep Jerry occupied till the police turned up. Jerry's face changed instantly at the suggestion of the listening to opera, though, and he returned to the cheerful puppy demeanour Colin had become familiar with and moving away from his psycho murder stare. That's a great idea. Should help get our creative juices flowing. I'll come and see what he has. Jerry hooked his arm through Colin and dragged him upstairs. Colin freely admitted to me that at this point he thought he was literally going to shit himself with fear. Jerry found some Wagner CDs in his housemate's room and he put one on, flopping back onto the bed. Colin was not an opera aficionado, and he, to be honest he still doesn't like opera today. So he wasn't sure what opera it was that he was listening to. But apparently Jerry lay on his back on the bed, singing along in perfect German. Colin backed into the corner and squatted down, hugging his knees in blind terror. He was effectively trapped by the singing Jerry on the bed. Colin told me all the time he kept thinking that he hoped that whatever opera they were listening to was a very long one indeed, at least long enough for the police to arrive. Colin couldn't really recall how long they were there, although surprisingly it felt a very, very long time. Unsurprisingly, I should say. When the doorbell finally rang, Colin leapt up excusing himself that it was the door and that I'd forgotten my keys, hence the supposed phone call earlier. Sure enough, it was four police officers, batons drawn, waiting to take Jerry back into custody. There was no struggle, and Jerry went with the police with nothing more than a, mild, a look of mild disappointment on his face. Jerry had not been released from prison. In fact, he was still at least two years away from release. Rather, he'd escaped with the express intention of finding Colin to help him with his art project. Of course, you're probably wondering what Jerry's project involved and what role Colin had to play in it. Colin and I would find this out in very terrifying detail as we were called as witnesses for the, pro the prosecution. But let me recount to you, uh, recount it to you in a more coherent form. Jerry Springer was indeed of extreme intelligence and capable of expertly hiding his true intentions. Colin had become an obsession for Jerry in that he felt that Colin epitomised what beauty meant. As the psychiatrist at the trial stated, this went beyond what we would think of in terms of sexuality i.e. Jerry wasn't homosexual or heterosexual, he was, if anything, Jerry-sexual. Focusing on his obsession, Jerry gradually accumulated fragments of knowledge from conversation with us that enabled him to find out where Colin lived. It was a trivial matter for him with his eidetic memory to piece all of that together. He stole various items from the prison to furnish him with clothes and a means of escape all the while maintaining a facade of sanity and rehabilitation with his psychiatrist. He also secretly documented his art project in a notebook he'd kept hidden in his cell. When the time came, he made his escape and tracked Colin down, presumably following him home after spotting him in the university library. Before gaining entry to our house, 
no doubt hoping to carry out his art project. Now, when the psychiatrist said Jerry saw Colling as beautiful, he meant in the same way that a sculptor sees a block of marble as beautiful, or a painter sees a blank canvas as beautiful. They are ripe with possibility, and, for Jerry, so was Colin. Like a block of marble, though, Colin needed to be crafted by Jerry's hands to be perfect, so that, so that Jerry could fully enjoy him. You see, Jerry had been originally imprisoned for stealing a corpse from a hospital mortuary where he'd been working. He had then mutilated the corpse, or crafted it to be pleasing to him, as the psychiatrist put it, before using it as a sex doll for the next five days. Oh. His theft was only discovered after he didn't turn up for work, and one of his colleagues checked in on him to see if he was okay. You'll remember earlier in the story that Jerry arrived pulling a suitcase. The suitcase contained, amongst other things, an entire set of autopsy tools that he'd stolen from somewhere. When Jerry went missing from prison, the authorities searched his cell and found the graphically detailed notebook. According to the notebook they found, Jerry had exactly the same plans for Colin that he had for the corpse earlier in his life. The rest of the story you already know. Jerry was charged with conspiracy to murder and Colin and I were lined up as witnesses for the prosecution. We never had to give evidence though. Jerry hanged himself in his cell before he could really get underway, bringing the trial to a premature end. If he did leave a reason for killing himself, it was never shared with the court or Colin, so we've got no real idea. Unsurprisingly, Colin had some bad times as a consequence of this. He dropped out of university and went travelling around the world, and I, didn't saw, I never saw a height and a hair of him for nearly two years. Uh, he got back in touch, though, although the Colin I know today is very different to the Colin I knew back then. And that's my story. Or oh, not my story, it's Colin's story. I hope you found that um, enjoyable in a weird kind of october Halloween-type way. All the best, fellas. Keep up the good work, and I'll see you soon. Jesus. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Could you imagine if that came up in conversation again? It's like, hey, hey, Colin, remember that dude tried to use you as a sex doll? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that- Gal's gonna kill you and fuck your mouth. You remember that? Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna Picasso no, you was. and then just take you to town. <laughs> gonna sew your dick to your forehead and all kinds of. Jeez, man, that is fuck. Dan Porter has lived such an interesting life, man. <laughs> just barely escaping. Just like I don't know. Just. God bless him. God, like the, your, your stories, Dan, are fantastic. The Coxman himself. He needs to write a book or something. There's got to be a way he can like monopolize all of this. It's like he has lived a very interesting life. Surely, surely he can. Wow, and his buddy was going to get turned into a sex doll. <laughs> Not a good way to go. I mean, a compliment, if anything. Like I, I mean, you can't, you can't knock that. I'm both flattered and terrified. So, man. <laughs> like, could you imagine, like, for like a split second, like you're, you know, you're safe and all this stuff. Like, you know, you're at the doctor, that you're at his like psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist explained to you, it's like, listen, he thought that you were so beautiful that he wanted to have sex with your corpse. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you're like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I work out, fam. I know. <laughs> that makes sense. It's the shit I got to go through looking this fucking gorgeous. <laughs> I, can't, I can't fault his taste. <laughs> it's a bur- burden. You know, <laughs> I just do it a can. Could you imagine how cocky you'd be? We should for his children episode. <laughs> <laughs> like how fucking cocky would you be like every it's like you know what fuck you girl like fuck you a guy <laughs> wanted to cut me up and make me into a sex doll like you don't know what you're losing babe <laughs> you escaped from prison to do it <laughs> yeah a psychopath escaped from prison to cut me up and make me into his own sex doll you have no idea what you're losing out on <laughs> Love it. Man, that's what we're talking about. That, that's what I meant when I said spooky stories, people. That's what I meant. So next October when we're still doing Good luck this podcast. Good that one. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get how you get that crazy. What flicks in your head? Like, what clicks? What clicks in your head that makes you just, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Wish we could ask Jerry Springer, but he hung himself. Moving on, moving on. So, next on the list here from John Ramos, a sp- RFI spooky story. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this has sex dolls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see what Mr. Ramos has. Hey, what's up? This is John in El Paso. Thought I would uh, share a little spooky story. Uh, happened to me many moons ago. Oh, this is Giancarlo, right? Yeah. yeah. Giancarlo. Yeah. yeah. Why do you go That's by John? Him. You got that sexy-ass name, John- Giancarlo. We went over this before. We went over it before. I don't know why he doesn't. Like Brian Callen would say, Giancarlo. Giancarlo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say it with as much accent as possible. It's Giancarlo Ramosa. Okay. When I was a... Uh... Brand new private in the Army, stationed up at Fort Campbell in Kentucky. Uh, Scott may know a little bit about this. He's been there, too, he says. But um, first got to know that I'm, uh, I'm from Los Angeles originally. I grew up in a suburb of Los Angeles County, uh, beach kid. So I wasn't really very outdoor savvy, didn't know a whole lot about uh, the woods, didn't spend a whole lot of time in the woods. And, uh, you know, going out to joining the Army and going out, uh, especially at a place like Fort Campbell where it's, you know, heavily wooded and it's just, you know, you, the impression you get is that there's all kinds of creepiness out there and, and whatnot. But um, uh, it wasn't my first field problem, but it was one of the first. And it was, uh, I think, just the end of spring or something like that. And uh, we were out right on the edge of a... A landing zone so that's where they land helicopters out in the middle of the woods a big huge area like acres upon acres that's open and we're right on the edge in the wooded area um we were doing an admin patrol base which means that uh we um we're kind of just bedding down uh nothing serious about security we would leave maybe one or two guys up just to prevent some hillbilly that's walking around to steal our equipment from us while we're racked out in our fart sacks. Um, 
I, uh, I got woken up for my shift. It's probably like one, two o'clock in the morning. I don't remember, but it was definitely like, you know, super early. And, uh, guy wakes me up. It's like, Hey, you're, you're on shift. So I get up and, uh, there's some ammo crates that are, you know, sitting nearby. My whole platoon is off to the side. They're all in their uh, bags sleeping. And, uh, I'm up just, you know, for the next hour just to make sure that uh, nothing crazy happens like, uh, I don't know, like a bobcat or a tiger or, mm -hmm. I don't know, like some deliverance shit or something. But uh, <laughs> sitting there on these ammo crates and I got my whoobie around me. I got my helmet on and my nods, which is uh, my night vision. Um, we had these like uh, PVS-14s, which is a, uh, a monocular. It's just a single tube. And uh, so I'm just scanning around, looking, looking up at the stars. And it's crazy because you can see, like, shooting stars. You can see all these crazy stars that you can't see with the naked eye. And, uh, you know, I'm looking out in the field, and there's no noise. There's the occasional fart and the occasional snoring from the guys next to me. But uh, other than that, it's pretty calm and peaceful. And it was a little bit on the chilly side. And um, just staring out there, I, I, I noticed that something caught my eye. It was like this little faint glow. And so I'm like looking at it with my, my one eye that's looking through the night vision tube. And I, I see a little glow and it goes behind a tree. And then I'm like, all right, whatever. And I don't see anything again. And then I see the glow again. And it's like behind the trees. And it lasts for maybe a second or two. And like, it looks like it's maybe like four or five feet off the ground. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And so like, with the night vision, you can clearly see that there's nobody there. Like, I don't see anybody. There's just enough starlight, maybe just enough moonlight to where if there was somebody with a flashlight, I'd be able to see their, their greenish silhouette. I'd be able to see them. Uh, I was new in the army, but I, I was, you know, in long enough to know like, you know, like what, what I can distinguish and not distinguish with, with night vision. So a few seconds pass and like, I see the little glow again. It's like, what the fuck is that? And then it disappears. I'm like, what the fuck, man, this is, and I'm looking at it with my, my, my naked eye as well. I'm closing up the, the one that's behind the monocular. And then I'm looking at with the, and I can't see any light. I'm like, oh, there's no fucking light there. And I don't, I'd have both eyes open and I'd see the glow, but I see it in, the night vision, but I wouldn't see it with my naked eye. And so I started to freak out. I'm like, what the fuck am I, is this like ball lightning? Am I seeing some sort of a fucking forest ghost? Like, what the fuck is this? And it's fucking floating around like for two or three seconds, maybe at the most, and then it disappears for about four or five seconds, and then it'd glow again. And then I started seeing it go up this tree. Uh, like around the edge of a tree it's like not on the tree but like i can see that it's kind of like orbiting going up around this tree and like i'd see it go all the way up to the top and so like i watched this thing for about maybe 10 15 minutes and then i didn't see it again and i was freaking the fuck out i couldn't explain what it was um i didn't want to wake anybody up because they're gonna think i'm fucking crazy like you, you, you're not seeing a ghost you dumb fuck is probably what they'd say um, and so like the next thing I know, I got to wake up the guy after about an hour, the guy next to me, uh, or in the shift. And so I wake him up and, uh, uh, I, you know, 
I tell him, like, well, like, I saw some weird glowing thing out there, and, and I don't know what the fuck it was. Oh, okay. He just brushed it off. He didn't really, you know, care too much about it. Uh, probably more interested in having a cigarette or whatever. But uh, I went uh, I went to sleep, and uh, I woke up the next day, and I just kept getting bothered by this thing. I had to tell somebody I felt. I didn't know what, uh, what I should do. But... Um, uh, later on that same day, or the next day, uh, I was getting close to dinner chow time, and uh, I remember it was uh, it was getting on the dark side, but it wasn't dark yet. And I noticed, you know, where we had set up uh, prior to like the next day's training, um, there were an abundance of little fireflies everywhere, and so I'm looking at them. And I see how, like, they fly around, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, they glow for a second or two, and then they stop for three or four seconds. And that's when I realized that the only reason why I fucking almost shit myself the night before is because I wasn't really familiar with fireflies. They're not in Los Angeles, not in California. And uh, I really hadn't paid attention to them while I was out there, so... All this fucking shit that I fucking fired myself up on and just almost shit myself was simply because I what I thought was some sort of a forest fairy, forest ghost or whatever was actually just a goddamn bug. It was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody about it until mm, almost 18 years later. I'm calling you guys. <laughs> but uh, that's about the creepiest thing I've ever fucking seen, really. Apart from real life shit. But, uh, like, uh, not spooky spooky, but other stuff. But anyways, uh, keep doing what you guys are doing. I'll talk to you later. Love you. Love you, too. Love you, too. Love you, too, John. Yahara. Yahara. Fucking lightning bugs. You've never seen a lightning bug. That's pretty funny. You don't even think about that, being from this area. Because they're fucking everywhere. You can't go out at night and not see a bunch of lightning bugs in the summer. My uh, my boss, uh, she is from California, and she didn't know what lightning bugs were either or how they worked. And whenever we went to uh, do an acquisition in Pennsylvania, we walked outside of this like steakhouse with a bunch of our mechanics, and there was a fuck ton of lightning bugs. A fuck yep. like insane amount of lightning bugs like we have them in texas but you get like one or two like it's not like a whole fucking you know fill a jar full of them and keep it next to your bed to read books and oh shit. yeah here here at night like my side you've been to my house you know that big like side <clears throat> empty field i have yeah when you go out at night there in late spring early summer and you look in that side yard i mean it looked like it's just fucking you know it looks like christmas lights like the alternating christmas lights like the whole fucking side yard lights up yeah, no, she was, like, she saw it light up, and she was so fucking, like, taken aback by it. Like, it was a, a lot of lightning bugs. She's like, what are those? Or, like, they're lightning bugs. She goes, I've always read about them in books. And, the, and then they're like, yeah, we usually catch them, because these, these guys are from Pennsylvania. It's like, when we were kids, we'd catch them. She's like, can you can you catch some for me? And they're like, uh... We guess, and these are like grown fucking men that are like <laughs> they they dumped like a, a mason jar that had like a bunch of screws in it into the bed of somebody's truck, and they like put all these lightning bugs into a fucking like jar for her. 
And she took a picture to send to her, send to her kids. I was like, wow, that really just happened. Fucking lightning bugs. <laughs> like, apparently, they're uh, some sort of uh, IR light. And their bioluminescence making your making it show up in your PBS fourteen. Who knew? Who fucking knew? Have you ever seen them through night vision, Scott? Yeah, lighting bugs. Yeah, yeah. like um, it, it's kind of weird because everything shows up brighter under under MVGs. One thing you can do, like if you live somewhere outside of the city or whatever, and you have a you know like a hunting monocular or something, look up yeah. at the stars, and it is fucking insane you can see all of them like every goddamn star in this i've never done that i i have a monocular and i have a night vision scope on my. You're on a real real clear night or something when it's not just cold as fucking balls out go outside and look up the sky and you can see them all you can see uh meteor showers under mvgs too so if there's like a meteor shower forecast or something like that look up and you can see them you know scooting by and all that it's pretty neat we got, we got a, a bunch of light pollution where i'm at i might figure out like, yeah you live dryer. next to indy and all those big uh those big power plants and i'm sure they put yeah, off a yeah. lot of ambient light and stuff so <clears throat> all right well next up we got an industrial accident story from shane that's probably him asking you if you've gone to an mka class i would imagine probably did you though i did a couple okay. weeks ago all right <laughs> What's up, guys? Helicopter Shane here. I've gotten off my trip from the Mekong Delta, so there shouldn't be any background noise from my chopper. Anyway, so I wanted to send in a message for your industrial accidents story. I promised I'd send in more, and so here's number two. So I'm actually going to go in reverse here. So what I mean by is I have another industrial accident story after this one that I'll send later, but... This industrial accident story is actually in regards to the second industrial accident that we had at the company that I work for, which prompted a massive safety initiative. Nice. So, Like a lady getting boiled this, by karma? Uh, safety. Well, th- 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 this accident involved a guy who decided to partake in some illegal substances. And so he was not fully in control of all of his... He, he, he wasn't in, aware of his surroundings as well as he should have been. And so what ended up happening was he was a maintenance guy. And he went and was looking down the production line of... Uh, where the conveyor belt was running and producing the product. Uh, I don't want to give too many specifics because I still work for this company. Uh, but anyway, so he's looking down the production line now. Anybody who works in an industrial setting uh, or really any any business that's very safety-oriented, there's a couple of big no-nos for uh, clothing and personal appearance. Uh, long hair, you know, usually has to be tied back. Uh, drawstrings for hoodies or big no-no wedding rings stuff like that big no-nos um, uh, unfortunately in this guy's case uh, he had the he had baggy clothing and in this case it happened to be his sleeve which 
got caught in the rapidly moving conveyor belt, and it grabbed, pulled, and then drew his arm into the conveyor belt because he just happened to be at a pinch joint. So what happened was there was an issue down the line earlier in the day that he had corrected, and before the end of his shift, he wanted to make sure that it was still working correctly, so he went over, (coughs) excuse me, sorry, stood up to bypass the safety guards that don't allow you to look down it like pretty much every maintenance guy does because that's your job. You know, you, you need to know how it works. So he stood over the safety guards, <clears throat> bypassed them, leaned down and too far into this conveyor system, which was moving. Re- these things move really fast. Um, anybody who works in any kind of manufacturing knows how fast this kind of stuff moves. Um, so the sleeve got caught, pulled in, pulled his arm in, ripped his arm off of his torso. Um, he immediately went into shock, turned around, blood's everywhere. And, the, he, you know, another guy nearby called it in that happened to, you know, he happened to see it and was basically, you know, he calls... 911. He calls the first aid response team at the at the facility, and um, I mean it doesn't matter at that point. He the guy he he did die. He died on the site, and um, his last words were, you know, tell my wife I love her. Um, but he he did die, and then you know they found out that he had substances in his system that go against corporate policy, and so he got denied uh, his life oh, insurance. Fuck. So yeah, sweet story. Um, <coughs> I uh, I have another one before that. Uh, I'll send that in maybe in a week or two, depending on uh, when I remember when I have time. So yeah, uh, hopefully that's not too morbid and grim dark for your uh, industrial accidents section. Um, industrial accidents bit. So all right, guys, enjoy it. Cheers. Thanks for all you guys do with the hobby, and uh, take care. Love you. <laughs> hey, mor- moral of the story, Nancy Reagan said it best, I like to think. Just say no, kids. Just say no. <laughs> Just oh. don't don't go to work on illegal substances. <laughs> we had a we had the basically the same thing happen here, but the guy wasn't on uh like he was sober. He just got his arm stuck in a conveyor belt. I think I told that on here before, where he was yeah. the pulley was making noise and he was smearing oil on it to get it to quit squealing. And the little like broom or whatever he was using to do it with, it grabbed it. And like Shane was saying, those things move so fast, and the it's so powerful. The motor that runs them is like, you know, a giant electric like, you know, huge electric motor that's just not stopping. That pulls like thousands of pounds, and it just you know pulled it pulled his arm right in and ripped it right off. It gives the guy that no did it here, Nope. The guy that did it here, uh, he made it. He lived. He works in the storeroom down at a different plant. But uh, so yeah, he does the same job I do, just at a different plant. Yeah, I didn't find out how much uh, arm rip off like injuries don't make it. Like I just assume you watch like all these movies where people lose their arms and they're all they just oh. tie their sleeve off and they keep going. Yeah, apparently that's not a here's thing. a here's a. Here's a pro tip for you. If you ever have something happen like that on an extremity, like and you have a tourniquet or a belt or something, put it as 
high up and as close to your body as you can because what happens a lot of times is people don't realize your arteries and shit like that retract. So if it gets severed and it retracts into your body torso, you're fucking dead. You're super dead. Like <laughs> that is all she wrote. So pro tip kids. Fucking <laughs> if you're in a <laughs> if you're working around big fuck off or Work machines and shit that built smoke and work in factories that look like Mordor. You might want to know that. <laughs> we uh, we actually had like what was it like two weeks, two three weeks ago, Derek? That kid that hopped that train. Oh yeah. Yeah, we had yeah. a kid like in our town that like didn't want to wait for the train, so he like hopped up on it like it was going slow enough to where he hopped up, went to the other side of the train, and when he was hopping down, he fucking lost his footing and his arm got chopped off by the train. Like the Nature train, just... <laughs> I'm telling the you, British, man. the British people that listen to the show will get it. Mind the gap. Yep. <laughs> yep. Old fucking dude. I'm telling you, stupid people in nature. Nature will fix that ass. It'll square you away. <laughs> Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Uh, he right. died, by the way. He, yeah. he is dead. <laughs> like he did not make it. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Man fights train. Train wins every time. Every fucking time. Every time. All right. Now Usually, if there's anything involving a train accident, it's typically your fault. It's pretty, <laughs> yeah, easy, to the, it's pretty easy to tell where the motherfuckers are going to be at. <laughs> pretty easy to tell where those are going to go. It did not sneak up on you at all. Most most train accident stories do not start. Well, the train swerved. <laughs> Tried to pass me on the right and. <laughs> All right, we got a voicemail here. Do we? So Ryan, you're talking about the Swedish dog turd candy. Um, you know what you need to do? It's a test of manhood. You need to test Freddy's manhood now, and send him fucking candy corn because that's a true American candy test of manhood. Not Indiana candy corn. I, you do not know. I don't feel like that's the same thing. That's not the same thing at all. I haven't had the Swedish candy, but I, I feel that that's not an accurate <clears throat> analogy. No, it's not even close. That Swedish shit is like, it's so far beyond. I and like, like how s- so many people in the Patreon group have tried that fucking candy too. Like, like if if it it's like if my little dog Willow that fucking just devours everything and like doesn't chew anything. Like, got into a bag of candy corn and ate it where she didn't digest it. And, it, like, she shit in a turd that just had a bunch of pieces of candy corn in it. And you then ate that turd with candy corn in it. It would still taste better than that Swedish candy. Just, like, <laughs> if, if you rolled that turd in some sea salt, it would still taste better. That that would be close to what that candy tastes like. Fuck. <laughs> All right, here's the next one. What up, you nerds? All right, just started listening to you guys a couple weeks ago. Long-time heresy player. It's great stuff. You guys are doing fucking the Lord's work when it comes to you and I, of course, doing fucking Lord's work when it comes to uh, spreading the heresy around. The who? Just want to give you, like, a creepy cryptid story. So hopefully Statue of Limitations is up on this. When I was a teenager growing <laughs> up in fucking New Jersey, there's a band in the asylums. Okay. This motherfucker fucked a Sasquatch. Anyway, just unpause it. <laughs> it's all right. What's the, what's, what's the statute's limitations on fucking a Squatch? 
Seven years. Uh, yeah. Seven anyway, years, six are... months, and 32 days, not counting, but, you know. Fucking <laughs> state. And there was one in particular, it was called Marble State Insane Asylum. So, uh, my best friend, he told me about it one day, we were in class in high school. He's like, hey man, me and the rest of the, me and the, rest of the guys, we go to this place, we check it out, we're trying to find ghosts and shit, and I'm like, okay, whatever, let's... Let's just go do this. Let's just go just roam around, just explore, you know, do the, do the crazy urban explorer stuff that you see. And so, no shit, we go to this Marble Insane Asylum. It's like your average college campus, like multiple buildings, dorm buildings. Like there was a cafeteria building. There was a gym building with this creepy basketball hoop that had like a staircase leading up to it. Really fucking weird. And we're walking around and everything's going good. But the crazy thing is... <clears throat> As we entered the facility, so you enter through the woods, um, and there is basically this track. It's like a, it's just like, it, it's like a road, and it's shaped like a, like a Dover raceway, like a race car oval. And it goes, like there's buildings on the inside, and there's building on the outside of this track, so you can get through to all the buildings and whatnot. So we come from the woods, and we... And just to set this up, it was middle of December. There was probably about maybe four inches of snow on the ground. And there was no wind, nothing whatsoever. So you could hear everything. And it was dead silent. Like, probably the most silent night I've ever been, been outside. We're walking across. And you can obviously hear when you're walking on, like, about four inches of snow, especially when it's really cold and it's not wet because it crunches because it's frozen. So you just hear us walking across and everything. And so it's in the middle of the New Jersey Pine Barrens, which is full of white-tailed deer. So we're used to seeing deer and shit when we're out in the woods. And so we see just looks like a fucking group, bunch of group of deer. And we're like, okay, cool. So we start walking across, and we hit the – we hit like we cross that road that, that basically encircles the, the compound, I guess you would say. And as soon as we, we cross the fucking road, I swear to God – we're walking through the middle of this compound. There's buildings to the left, buildings to the right. It's dead fucking creepy silent. And we just see this pack of deer behind us. But next thing you know, it's like they're barking. <laughs> that's it. That's, no. that's where the story Fuck. fucking ends, bros. No. Apparently he called back. No, he didn't. He actually... By the way, I'm changing... Huh? I'm changing it from Squatch to Jersey Devil. I didn't know he was in New Jersey Pioneers. He fucked the Jersey Devil. Anyway, <laughs> okay. what were we saying? So no, no, he didn't call back. He actually left us a message on our Facebook page telling us he was sorry that he couldn't finish the the voicemail. Did he finish it? No, I'm not gonna allow. I'm not gonna explain what happened. He's got to call back in. And for one, everybody listening right now needs to realize that this is the level of enthusiasm we expect when you leave a voicemail. Like, if this dude rolled up to me in his fucking Corvette and said, hey, fucker, get in, we're playing heresy, I'm getting in the car. Like, that's the level of enthusiasm yeah. in this fucking voicemail. He didn't ask. <laughs> yeah. So, we're going to have to call back in, bro. We're going to have to get some, uh, the the, fin- the finale to this story. So, we'll have it for you next week. Hopefully, if he calls in. We'll see. So, next thing on here. All right, cool. So now we got a three-parter here. 
So this comes from Powerful Sam, who's also Helicopter Sam. Hey, guys, it's Sam driving again. Thought I'd give you a call. So I don't really have a scary story this time, but I got one that's a little weird and a little dark. And that probably still within the statute of limitations. But we're going to go ahead and tell you anyways. So uh, I was in <laughs> Afghanistan as a crew chief on Blackhawks, and we uh, we flew this uh, mission called Op- Operational Detachment 101, which was basically just Det 101 is what we called it. And it was basically flying around fields and doing special forces missions and a bunch of stuff for SOCOM and some weird other stuff. Uh, most of the time, we didn't have a lot of lead time on our missions. A lot of it was uh, time-sensitive, so we'd just fly in and uh, go do the mission. We'd find out about it on our way there sometimes. Um, so this is the story of the night that I may or may not have participated in a war crime. Oh, so oh, we oh my God. this guy. We don't really know who he is. Don't give him a name or anything. They just said... You're going to go pick up, and you're going to just do whatever he tells you. And we're like, okay, this is a little weird, but all right. What was really weird about it is they said, you're going to do it alone, one helicopter, which is way against regulations. <laughs> in in uh, <laughs> Afghanistan, every time you fly, you always fly two helicopters, uh, but... They're like, you're flying alone on this one. It's been approved by the battalion commander. So we're like, all right, cool, I guess. So we go and fly out, and it's, it's a night mission. It's probably around, like, 10 o'clock at night. And we're waiting on this guy to show up at the pickup point. And the pickup point's on base. Someplace. So this dude comes walking out in, like, a straight-up G-man suit with a, like, some nice little shoes and a, a briefcase and just like a little it's off all right it, it's it's not something you would see normally in afghanistan which is really weird and he's on the airfield and there's nobody with him which is also a little bit weird that nobody like escorted him out to the helicopters or anything and so he comes walking up hops on I assume he's Saber, because why wouldn't he be? And so he hops on and puts himself on headset. And he's pretty pretty congenial, but he doesn't really talk too much. He's like, hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, and here you go. And he hands me a little piece of paper to hand up to the pilot. So I hand it up to the pilot. And he's like, oh, just take me these grid coordinates, and uh, I'll, I'll give you some more information when we're on our way there. So. That's part one. And all I can think about is Nicolas Cage and fucking, uh, what's that movie? Uh, not War. Lord of War. Lord of War. <laughs> yeah, I just think about Nicolas Cage. Like, it's like, hey, take me here, bro. <laughs> this is good. Like, this is, this is, this is awesome. This is captivating. I, I, fuck. Sam, and this is part two of the story where we just left off. Saber just climbed on, gave us some grid coordinates to fly off to, and we're on our way. So we're flying, we're under night vision goggles. This guy, he's just sitting around in the back, not really doing anything. Uh, and we'd ask him a few questions every now and then. Uh, like, the pilot's like, are we expected to run into any trouble tonight or anything? 
watch at these grid coordinates, and he's like, nah, it's not, we're not looking to run into any real trouble or anything, we're just gonna go land at this village, blah, 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 and, uh, you're gonna drop him off, we're gonna wait around for a little bit, and we're gonna come back, and, uh, he's gonna get back on, we're gonna go back to base, and that's it for the night, he said, in and out should be no more than, like, two hours, maybe three tops. So, we finally get to these grid coordinates, and it's a tiny little village, maybe, like, four or five little buildings, uh, these little dirt buildings, you've seen them on TV. They got the little walls around them and stuff. So, uh, we land uh, in a clearing, and there's a couple trees and, like, a little field in between us and the village. So, Saber, before he gets out, he goes, okay, if I'm gone for more than ten minutes, you guys just need to take off and go back. All right, they'll know what to do. Just take off and go back. So, like, okay, that's a little weird. You don't normally leave people behind in Afghanistan. I mean, that's one of the hardest things. No, no one is left behind. So, I'm like, all right, I guess. So he goes off and uh, he's gone, and we're sitting there on the ground, which is not cool. Helicopters are not supposed to be on the ground for that long. Uh, but we're just sitting there. And me and my door gunner, we're scanning all around. We're getting all nervous and shit. Like, what the fuck is going on? I don't like this. So, nine minutes go by. And then about nine and a half minutes, he comes hauling ass out of the fucking darkness, scaring the shit out of my door gunner. He's like, oh, fuck, it's just, it's fucking the guy. So he, he comes in, hops in, he doesn't have his briefcase, and he's all out of breath. He hops in, puts on the headset real quick, he's not even in a seat yet, and he goes, Go, 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 go! <laughs> take off. No questions, just get the fuck out of here. So we take off, and we fly around, and as we're crossing around the village, the whole fucking, all four of the fucking buildings or whatever, they're all on fire. They're burning, like, super fast burning, uh, like, massive like california wildfire going on I'm like what the fuck happened and we take off and we go back nobody says a word the entire like 20 to 30 minute flight we get gas on the way back nobody says a word clear right we're gassed up <laughs> holy shit jesus christ he's all hey you fags want some medals <laughs> 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 like this dude's like baller as shit. <laughs> like, look, just do what I tell you to do, and you're you're gonna make millions of dollars in book sales. All right, keep your fucking mouth shut. We're gonna go do some shit. He like inside the briefcase was the fucking like mogwais, and he poured water on them and let them loose. Like that's all I can think. Part three. <laughs> Part three of our saber story. So we get back, and uh, this is the conclusion. Uh, we get back, nobody really said as much. We got, we got gas, we're ready to go. And we land, and he gets out, and he just walks off like nothing fucking happened. <laughs> and he disappears into the darkness again. And we go park the helicopter, and we get out. And my door gunner gets out, and he's, he goes, Door gunners, they're, they're not real experienced with missions and helicopters. They're usually like cooks or truck mechanics or like office personnel that we pull over when we go. He goes, so does this shit like happen a lot or is this just like a weird thing? And we just go, uh, it's just a weird thing. That's it. That's the 
night, I may or may not have uh, participated in a war crime. Not really sure what happened in that village, but uh, it's probably not there anymore. Thinking about the size of those fires. All right, uh, that's it. You guys have a good episode. Multi-bombing, hashtag. And I think I just busted. <laughs> Bust. He just busted. Shit. Dude, I love how I I feel like when he landed, his commander came up and was like, "Who the fuck was that? Where have y'all been? Like, <laughs> who authorized this? You you, you did? <laughs> fuck, man, the speculation is real. Like, huh? What a great story, Sam. What a solid story. Like, I can't. Oh man, good luck on that. I hope that didn't bite you in the ass. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting when he said it may or may not have been a war crime. <laughs> but damn, he delivered. <laughs> the fucking the briefcase full of blood diamonds. I don't know. Like I said, he had a whole case of mogwais. He just let them loose after feeding them. Uh. All right, man. That's it for voicemails. And there were some solid fucking voicemails. They were great. Great voicemails, guys. Fucking knocked it out. Knocked it out of the park. That's how you do it, folks. Take notes. The bar's been set, people. Can we can we can we get back on the fucking voicemail train, please? The bar's been set. So anyway, on to this uh what do we do? Thirty K stuff, all this horse heresy stuff we do? Let's go ahead and see what we got here. Let me get my glasses out. Alright. Ultramarines three thousand point drop assault vanguard. Or should we do... No, let's do the emails first. Let's go ahead and read off these emails. So let's go ahead and... Let's hit up some Vincent. Vincent... Oh, hi. Vincent says, What up, you nerds? Just would like some help from you guys giving me a giant list consolidation of all the awesome Horus Heresy third-party model bit sites you guys use for your legions. Thanks for the podcast. Love your guys' stuff. Very respectfully, Vincent. Vinciento. So yeah, dude, third-party sites. Uh, what do we got? We got extra armor. Who reached out to us? Pretty awesome. They Here, write, have... write these down. Write these down, Michael, so that we can consolidate and we can get him links or whatever. Okay. We'll post them up. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Notes coming up. All right. Extra armor is the one that I just mentioned. That's actually a pretty cool little. Uh, and it, it's it's not well known. It's a uh, it's a track maker that makes Horus Heresy style tracks for your land raider and your rhinos so and guess what shane guess what shane he took an mka mka class with me i met him in uh uk when i was on my uh mka course he was sitting behind me they kissed ryan didn't even know yeah so yeah extra armor tongue and everything tongue and everything he tasted like tea tasted (laughs) like tea Next up was uh, that I think that is not really heard of a lot is KF Studios. You can actually go look them up on Facebook. Type up KF Studios. They primarily do um, Night Lords, Dark Angels, Space Wolf stuff. And actually, Derek, by the way, I have a bunch of Space Wolf bits from you for them that I found. Oh, nice. Remind me at the end of this podcast. Uh, So they do a lot of custom bits that are actually like heads, torsos. They have these awesome bits that are like flayed skin capes that they make uh they make an alternative head for conrad kurz uh they make a 
badass fucking cape that goes over the paul or the old over the uh yeah pauldron the right pauldron of a space marine it's like a cape that goes down kind of like the, you see on the uh uh the mark four emperor's champion kind of thing or just champion company champion they make that cape that you can put on anybody it's pretty cool um and they got an ebay page so if you just go to go look up kf studios on facebook it'll take you to their ebay page and if you play any of those legions there's a bunch of cool stuff and of course they like everything they model they model it to look like horace harry aesthetic so it's like it's almost like forge world quality like it is forge world quality but like the modeling process like they do it old school where they actually like go in and sculpt it and everything like that uh and it, it really does go along with the horace heresy aesthetic Derek can testify he's actually purchased like he i gave him some heads yeah the uh he had some wolf skull helmets that i was using for my uh death sworn and dude, those are legit heads yeah legit heads they have legit torsos like if you're looking for alternative Mark IV torsos for your Space Wolves, they got them. Because I think right now they're the Space Wolf upgrade kit is Mark III torsos, right? It It's Mark III, but it looks more like Mark IV. It, it's somewhere in between. Okay. It doesn't have the big, long dong guard that Which the Mark he, III has. Like you do. I mean, hey, you got to protect the junk. But if, you, if you're a fan of dynamic poses, like running poses, stuff like that, that dong guard really does get in the way. Like it bashes against the knee, as as the dong does. Yeah, for sure. So it's more Mark IV style without that, but I think it has more of a Mark III aesthetic. I don't know. I haven't looked at it in a minute. So yeah, so they offer Mark IV tor- torsos that are sculpted. They they offer the only thing that I don't like about them is they have they have these Dark Angel torsos that have the like a cut like you know in the Ravenwing Dark Angel like uh, greaves on the shin they have it where it's like a molded like icon to the angel of death oh yeah yeah so they have that on one of their torsos but they never release that torso because of the difficulty to cast it but that's the kind of level shit they do like it looks like legit like this looks like it should be games workshop or forge world but it's not so that's kf studios that is kf studios i'll have to check them out and then there's a bunch of other ones that are just on ebay like uh blood and skulls industry and uh yeah let ryan talk about blood and skulls. that's his that's his that's a jam right there, Blood and Skulls. Yeah, Blood and Skulls is awesome. Machinator is really fucking cool. Um, you can also, uh, like Chris Bergeron, um, ask me about some questions about some of his products that I didn't know. Um, just hit him up on, he's got a Facebook page. Just Facebook message him. He'll, he'll answer. He's good about answering. So Blood and Skulls has all kinds of shit. Go check out his uh, um ebay store it's mostly tank conversion stuff it's really good um mad robot miniatures they make some really cool arms and conversion kits and neat shit for militia um anvil industries makes all kinds of neat shit they they got a bunch of conversion bits guns whatnot uh puppets war.eu um they have all kinds of conversion bits uh secret weapon miniatures has a few conversion bits uh, Zinge Industries, I think it's Z-I-N-G-E, let me yep. see, Zinge, they make some neat stuff, you can go through their stuff, um, there's a company called TabletopArt.eu, I believe, TabletopArt.eu, 
see. Yep. Table t- if you just Google t- tabletopart.eu, it'll come up. Um, they're who I got like my candles and stuff for my word bears. Um, they got some Thousand Suns looking conversion kits for rhinos. They got some Space Wolf stuff uh, for rhinos. Uh, you'll just have to go through their stuff. They got some pretty neat things. There's Max Mini. Max Mini has uh, cool little cyber hounds that a lot of people use for cyber familiars. I did for my black shields. They also have, have like legs and stuff for like guardsmen and some other things. Uh, Victoria Miniatures. Um, she's known for you know doing all the, the alternate guard sculpts, things like that. Um, all metal. Toughest girls in the ga- yeah, all metal. Uh, toughest girls in the galaxy. Uh, by Raging Heroes, they do like a full line of like Imperial Guard like female models. Um, they got some other neat stuff too. Uh, you can look into. Uh, uh, what's that like Russian or Polish company that we always talk about that makes the cars and like the Mechanicum stuff and all that? We go through this every fucking time. We can never remember it. And they're the ones that make the alternative like Tau stuff and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I bought their shit. It's really good stuff. I just can't ever remember what it's called. That would be... No. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Pig Pig Iron Productions makes some neat things. Um, They have a lot of head swaps and, like, guard-looking bits. Uh, Hassle-free miniatures. They make all kinds of neat shit. Michael's gotten some stuff for squats from them. Uh, Anesty Castings they make a lot of cool terrain bits you could use for like basing and they also have some other stuff uh, uh, Ramshackle Games they make tons of cool vehicle bits I, that's what I'm building a lot of my, my you know, militia vehicles and shit out of the company I'm talking about that we can't remember the name I think they also make the Zombie Creed guys right? yeah they sure do they make Zombie Creed guys they make female commissars uh, they make Mechanicum Magoses that are female. Um, Hang on. I'm trying to find it. Yeah. Yeah, these are them. What, what company are they from? Anyway, so just to, just to talk about... Uh, so we, we labeled off a lot of these, but uh, Mad Robot Miniatures, if you're looking for a like a caster or anything like that, like a resin caster that's willing to work with you and like willing to accept your ideas and everything like that, definitely go to their Facebook page. He has a Facebook group that he accepts a lot. Like he bounces mo- like ideas off of people. Uh, right now he's working on some Arbitus heads that look incredible. He 3D designs everything. And then he sends them to resin once they're printed. And his stuff looks great. And the quality in his models is because I think he pressure pressure casts them in resin is just, I mean, almost unbeatable. You know, I have a, I actually picked up some, uh, some Balkava heads from him. And they're actually heads that have the Balkava pulled over them. And you can actually see the lines in the fabric on the Balkavas. Oh, and yeah. going with any other, you know, I I ordered those same type of Balkava heads from uh, Victoria Miniatures and other companies like that, like Anvil Industries. 
and you just like the quality and like the level of detail that you get in these heads is just excel like so much more so much better quality just mad robot miniatures if you're, if you're looking at like alternative heads he has uh like balkava heads he has night vision heads he has uh old school like talarn heads he has uh heads for praetorians for mordians He's also got torsos for Praetorians and Mordians and stuff like that. Like if you're looking at creating some of these old school like uh, uh, like like Valhallans or you're trying to make some like old school Vestroians or anything, any of the metal Imperial Guard, but you don't want to use the uh, the metal models. If you go to Mad Robots, he's basically made his own version of all of those models. And they look spot on. They look fantastic. And some like he even he does a Steel Legion now that look great. He has trench coat bodies that he sells. Matt, I cannot say enough good stuff about Matt Robot Miniatures. Yeah, really so, good. So war game, war, war game, war game exclusive is war the game Ukraine exclusive. company. Yes. Yeah. And their stuff is really great. I bought like their armored limo and their armored SUVs that Scott painted up for like a some you know, objectives for a mission, like a convoy mission we did. Um, they got the zombie Creed guys that look fucking amazing. They got all kinds of cool shit. They're alternate Mechanicum stuff. There's a lot of cool bits in there that you could use to, you know, convert things. That's yeah. uh, really good. There's also uh, um, Pop Goes the Monkey. He does uh, 3D printed. He has a Shapeways account called Pop Goes the Monkey. Yep. And he has a whole yep. bunch of shoulder pads. He has shields. He has... Uh, different upgrade kits like he has like grenade launchers for some 40k stuff and all that but he's got he's got a lot going on for him and uh, all of his stuff like I know you're thinking to yourself well I've seen stuff 3D printed it doesn't come out the quality that I like we well, actually uses what's called fine ultra detail from Shapeways which is actually like an acrylic medium that goes inside of a gel so the quality of it is going to be as good as what you would see in resin uh, models it's not going to be that line heavy 3d printing that you're thinking that your buddy down the street prints out this is going to be high quality fine ultra detail and if you go to the ultra fine detail it'll be even finer than that it's insane um it really like if you order something from pop goes the monkey you'll really see where the future of 3d printing is going and it'll blow your mind yeah there's uh, a few on uh on shapeways you can go to typically if you go to shapeways kind of search what you're looking for It'll pull up a couple different shops. I know we talk about Pop Goes the Monkey a lot. Uh, I've also brought up Dynath. With, uh, he's got plenty of weapons. I actually saw somebody in the Crusader host use the uh, middle finger power fist on one of their jet bikes. Yes. Yep. And, man, that was fantastic. Yeah, if you like, I spend a lot of my time, whenever I have some downtime, I'll go to Shapeways, and I'll go to the modeling section, and I will just, like, they have a separate section dedicated to Warhammer 40K, and it has, you know, heresy bits and all this stuff. But, like, there is, like, I think 83 pages right now. And that number's only going up because people are throwing up all of their uh, all their conversions and everything like that. But like Derek said, you know, you have Dynath, Pop Goes the Monkey. Uh, and probably the one who has, like, hands down, like, spearheaded this whole 3D printing renaissance was Comrade Quiche. Yeah. Like, he is, like, Shapeways known as the guy who makes the upgrades for night kits and things like that. Um, he is... And, and, and one thing that I, I, I do want to mention about Comrade Quiche is uh, Comrade Quiche has an Instagram where you can actually go. Go check out Comrade Quiche on Instagram. 
and he will show you what he's working on and what he's doing and he takes commissions on and so if for some reason you have this idea like oh i want to see uh contemptor cortis dreadnought legs and i don't have the skills to model this up in 3d and i definitely don't have the skills to resin cast this or anything like that uh you can go to comrade quiche commission him to design up <laughs> said things and uh he's not very expensive and everything like that he'll he'll work with you he'll take the design element he understands warhammer he understands warhammer 30k and so he'll take it and he'll run with it all you got to do is like send him send him a model and he'll work off of that because he's so used to doing it and uh get yourself some custom design 3d models and that's exactly how the contemptus contemptor cortis legs were were designed and made and then sent over yep. Blood and Skulls Industries, who turned it into resin. My guy. Yep. Both companies kicking ass. Yep. That's um, a community right Skibor, there. Skibor is another company, or Skybor, however you spell it. Um, they have some pretty, neat convert, some pretty neat conversion stuff. Uh, Dreamforge miniatures, they're the ones that used to make the Knight before the Knight came out. They have the Dreamforge Leviathan, and they also have those... Eisenkern guys in that little armored car, so you can check their shit out. They got some different things. Um, some other things that are kind of related is uh, Powerplay Gaming. Isn't that the LED guy that you use, Michael? That's LED. really good. Yep, Powerplay Games. Yep. If you like putting LEDs and shit or any of that electronic stuff, little speakers, whatever, I mean, I think that guy's probably got the best stuff for miniatures. I don't. Do you feel the same way? And I've talked about it before, guys. Uh, if you are not like. Powerplay Games, if you go to their website, it's not exactly friendly for, like, the layman. Like, if you go in there and you don't understand how LEDs work or anything like that, you're not going to know what the fuck to buy. And it's it's kind of... It, it sucks. So when you get there and you're like, oh, fuck this, I don't know what I'm supposed to be getting, there's a little contact us at the bottom. And if you click on that contact us, it'll direct you to an email for Powerplay Gaming. Or you can just go to Facebook Messenger and go to the PowerPlay Games Facebook page and send them a message. Tell them what you want to do. And they completely understand Warhammer. They understand Warhammer 40K. So they know 100% like what a Titan is. They know what a, a Land Raider is. They know all the verbiage. So just tell them, hey, I want to create a Night Titan whose eyes glow red. And I want the, the top of his carapace to blink yellow. And I want this and this. And give them the full rundown of what you're trying to do. And they'll build you the kit of that, and and they'll build it out custom kit for you, and say, yeah, it's gonna be uh, fifty bucks to do this. It'll be fifty five dollars, and I'll send you this kit. All you have to do is drill the holes. It'll all be pre wired, and they'll even suggest it's like, hey, you might want to put this under, like, don't glue the carapace down. You want to pull the carapace up, and this is where you can fit the battery. I'm, or they'll say, I'm not gonna give you the AA battery platform. I'm gonna give you the CR one twenty three battery platform because you're trying to put it in like a land speeder and it wouldn't make sense for a double a. So they're excellent at like custom fitting these, uh, these led lights for you. They're super fun, super nice to work with. If you want to put turn signals on your land Raider, they've got you, they got you covered. Yeah. Then, um, some other things like for bases, obviously secret weapon. Um, and then he actually has some, you know, conversion stuff. Like we said, um, then there's uh, Dragonforge does bases, and he has a few conversion bits as well. So check him out. Uh, 
that's where I get most of my resin bases. I like those a lot. Uh, Chapter House has some conversion bits and things. Most people know about them. Uh, It'll just take you forever again. Yeah. Six, Um, Six months. That's about all I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, can you think of any more out there, Michael? I mean, that's a pretty extensive list. No, no, not not off the top of my head. Like, I just know who I've used, and they're fucking great. Yeah, if there's anything else we missed, definitely shoot us an email, let us know. If you are a resin caster, or you make some sort of badass conversion kit that we didn't know about, send us a message. We'll shout you out, and probably buy yeah. from you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking for a... Horus Heresy era landspeeder kit right now. I'm thinking I'm gonna have to go to Comrade Keish to make it happen. But if I know that it, you have that art. You have that art. You should do it, man. People would buy the shit out of that. Oh, I know. I just haven't. I gotta send him a land. Man, I'm. I was lazy when. Yeah, you're right. I'll do it. I'll make it happen. You get that. This week. I mean, you, you get that done, and then you could work the same thing out where it goes to Blood and Skulls or whatever you need to get it done. Whoever wants to make it. I mean, that fucking kit would be popular. I've I seen even, the art, and it looked fucking awesome. I even contacted the guy that made that land speeder art, and he approved it to be made into a resin kit. Well, there you go. Yeah, Do it. I know, I know. Just a bunch of cool people making cool shit together. Yeah. It'll happen. We'll make it happen. Well, we will make it happen as a podcast. As long as Ryan pushes me. <laughs> 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 All right, so that's... You're welcome, Vincent. <laughs> So, uh, next email question we had comes in from powerful Robert. And if you recall, Robert won the wheel of grindage last week. So congratulations, Robert. Nice. Robert says, Hey guys, first off, just want to say, I love the show and to keep up the great work. Second, I'll put my address down below. However, if you guys want to save some cost on shipping, I'm going to try and make it down to Ryan's place for one of his game nights in the next month or two. And can pick it up there. Whatever works easier for you guys, thanks. So that is not the email I was supposed to read off. <laughs> or was it? No. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So what do you oh. want to do? Do you want to just send this stuff to me? And then, yeah. like, whatever you want to send from Texter? And okay. then I'll get it to him? So his address... Let me see here. Let me see where he's from. So he is he's from, from Michigan. Michigan. Okay. He came down for my uh, Oath of Moment event. I met him there. So me and Derek will get together, and we'll go to Sam's Club, and we'll find some some fajita seasoning for him, some Whataburger ketchup. We'll, we'll hook him up with some Texas stuff. Cause I think beaver nuggets? Some beaver nuggets. Yeah, we'll send him some beaver nuggets. from. We'll get a box, and we'll, we'll get it up to you before this month is over. Then you get it to me, and then I'll throw in some local Indiana shit, some Hunter's Honey Farm shit, our version of Beaver Nuggets that are better than yours. Anything we need to uh, double um, up on for you? Um, some fucking uh, getting some candy corn, the good candy corn from uh, what is it, the raw strawberry raspberry shit that I gave the to Michael raspberry. that gave him diabetes. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. Yeah. The first few episodes of the podcast I was on. Made puke in my bathroom, and I still have fucking Michael puke stains on the fucking uh, (laughs) corner of the uh, shower curtain. Never, never remove those stains. (laughs) (laughs) And we can get Scott. We can get Scott in here to send some uh, some of that special Kentucky chicken fried batter that he has, like batter maker. Yeah, nice. We'll get you taken care of, Robert. We'll get you hooked up. 
We'll have it done yeah. before this month. And he can pick it up from Ryan. Thank for you sure. for saving us on shipping like that. That's real thoughtful of you, Robert. Yes, and if you can't make it down, um, once it all makes it to me, I can still ship it to you. It's not that big a ditch. But bam. That's why we have a Patreon. Yep. Okay. So next up on the list is this Ultramarines list. And it was titled List Helps. Heart, heart, heart. It says, hello, Radio Free Savannah. He's this from, is... He's okay. from, hang on, hang on. He, he's from Sweden, just to give everybody a heads up. Hello, Radio Free Savannah. This is Sweden calling. So to start things off, what's this bitching and moaning about salty licorice? Ask any Sweden, they'll tell you. There's nothing like sucking the salty juices out of uh, chewy black candy. Anyway... That's not why I'm writing. Me and my friends only recently kicked <laughs> off 30K, having been lost and bewildered with demise of Warhammer Fantasy at the hands of the Insidious Games Workshop office. We've been running a slow-grow project that recently resulted in a number of painted 3,000-point lists that were fielded in Malmo, Sweden, where I fielded an Emperor's Children tank battalion. Now, having put 12 tanks on the shelf of painted miniatures, me and my bud decided we build an army together as a way to get some hobby meetups going we decided to go with a clearly themed list and thus chose an ultramarines force playing the angels of wrath right of war between us we've got two storm eagles and two fire raptors along with gilliman assestus ram and any number of power armored marines we're looking to build an army based loosely on something akin to a helicopter attack scene in apocalypse now love it god damn it i love it you listening you listening sam you listening with infantry being landed at strategic locations while aircraft provide covering fire. Additional information that doesn't have to be read out loud. Okay. Uh. <laughs> well, read, 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 read the first list because it's important because this is a teachable moment to new players and to Daniel here that wrote the email in. Just read because he, he has a 3,000-point list and a 5,000-point list, but just read the 3,000-point one. You can read it fast. So 3,000-point core alpha, one Praetor with the usual jazz, sided by a Caesarean command squad, chaplain with ligatine axe, three apothecaries, two 10-man breachers with swords, bombs, two guns, and some snazzy kit on sergeant. And since breachers can't have rhinos, we put two storm eagles in fast attack, two fire raptors in heavy support, one Cessus assault ram. This should put a list around 2,800 points and play on its own on its own it suffers from having everything in reserves meaning i should probably lose in my turn one so if that's to be rectified somehow without breaking the theme yes so, so yes. yeah that, that's an instant lose list <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that was a problem when i looked at the so um you did good kid but you're did, gonna lose first it, turn every time <laughs> yeah so what I what I did is I I rewrote this list for Daniel here and tried to keep you know the same theme of what he was trying to do, um, and we'll, we'll read it off here and I'll email it to him. I just finished it tonight, so um, if it's not something he likes or he wants to go back to this, because basically what I did I, I got we've went over when we did the show where we went over all the rights of war. Um, this was one of the rights, if you remember, Michael, that we were just like, why would you ever run this when drop assault vanguard is a thing? Yeah, pretty much like it. Drop Assault Vanguard is, like, what this Rite of War was trying to be um, and failed to be, in a way. So I looked at getting a list that still had a lot of flyers and shit in it, but would actually put models down on the board turn one so you don't auto-lose and keeps the theme. So this is what I ended up with. So it's a, a chaplain. Um, see, he put the, the Legatine Axe on his chaplain. 
the problem with that is the chaplain comes with a free power axe because he comes with the Curzius Arcanum that you can make any power weapon you want. So you're essentially getting a 15-point piece of Warrior free. When you buy the Legatine Axe, you pay full price for it. It's pretty fucking expensive. I think it's like 35 points or something like that. So you're essentially not using a free 15-point piece of war gear and then paying another 35 points on top of it. So it's like, I just don't see the point in that. I don't think going from a power axe to a legatine axe is worth a 35-point upgrade, personally. So um, I would just give him a uh, power axe. So anyway, chaplain, power axe, artificer armor, melt bombs, refractor field. Pretty basic loadout. So that's going to be your compulsory HQ. Um, I took uh, Gilliman in this list as a Lord of War because you said you already had him. So I needed to get that out of the way because for, for troops, um, Gilliman unlocks uh, Suzerains uh, as troops. So I have a full 10-man Invictus Suzerain squad. Two of the guys have Thunderhammers. Um, for the second troop's choice, I have 10 Assault Marines. Um, two of them have Power Weapons. Um, the sergeant has artificer armor and power weapon, and the entire squad has melt bombs. Um, for the third troop's choice, I have that exact same assault marine squad again because this right of war requires you to take at least two assault marine squads. So it's another ten assault marines, two of them have power weapons. The entire squad has melt bombs. Sergeant has artificer armor, power weapon. Um, for the uh, let's see, what is that? One, two, three. So the fourth troop's choice is a tactical support squad. Um, the entire squad has Volkite Chargers. Um, I also gave uh, the entire squad the additional um, Chainsword. So they're all going to be dual armed. So they're going to have Bolt Pistol, Chainsword, and Volkite Charger. Uh, the Sergeant has Artificer Armor and Power Fist. Uh, then I have a fifth Troops Choice, which is another tactical support squad loaded out the same way. So 10 Volkite Chargers, 10 Chainswords, 10 Bolt Pistols on all the guys. And then uh, the sergeant has artificer armor, power fist. Um, for elites, I have uh, an apothecary detachment with three apothecaries in it. The first apothecary has artificer armor, power sword. Um, this guy's going to go with the ten suzerains and the chaplain and Gilliman. So all of that's going to go together. Um, the other two apothecaries both have jump packs, and each one of those is going to go with the ten a ten man assault squad. Um, for fast attack, I have two Storm Eagles in separate slots, obviously. They're both armed the same. They both have a hole-mounted missile launcher in the nose um, and wing-mounted LAS cannons. So that puts them at 255. And then they obviously have the missile launcher built-in on top. The I forget what that thing's called. It's like a double-tap whirlwind launcher. Um, for heavy support, I have a Charybdis Assault Claw. Um, that Charybdis is where Gilliman, the Chaplain... Um, the Apothecary on foot, and the 10 Suzerains will all go in on that. Um, and then for the second heavy support, I have a Fire Raptor gunship with uh, wing-mounted Hellstrikes and auto cannons. So I still fit... Um, I got four flyers in the list instead of your five. But the thing with this list, the nice thing about it, it only has the one drop pod, which is the Charybdis. So turn one, you're going to get a Charybdis with Gilliman, 10 Suzerains, an Apothecary, and a Chaplain. So Turn one, that's coming in. So that's obviously a very super fucking hard nut to crack. And then also because it's drop assault vanguard, both of those ten man assault squads with attached apothecaries also come in. Turn one. So boom, boom. So that's going to give you a foothold. Turn one, so you don't auto lose the game. That's fairly hard to remove. 
that is all super threatening right off the bat. And that's going to set you up for turn two assaults on all that stuff. So then the two tactical support squads will go into the uh, Storm Eagles. I like them because Storm Eagles have an assault ramp, so it's nice to use it. But you don't really want to put super expensive units in those fucking things because they get delayed. It's just a ton of points um, sitting in reserve. So I like this loadout to put in there because you can fly on in the Storm Eagle jump out the turn that you fly on if you want, and then still shoot something with the Volkite Chargers because it's a decent shooting unit. Or, if you want, you can still hide in the Storm Eagle, get it into position, um, go into hover mode, get out, still shoot the Volkites because they're assault, and then immediately charge in afterwards, and you're still going to be three attacks apiece on the charge because you bought the additional close combat weapon, and the sergeant has the fist to give the squad a little extra punch. And the nice thing is these guys are also scoring because they're troops choice. So they meet the criteria of being cheap scoring decent in assault and decent at shooting. So it's like this real flexible unit. You can throw in those storm Eagles and, you know, make it work for you. Then obviously the fire after does fire after things and, and, uh, all that. So this is pretty cool. It's going to have the suzerain score, the assault Marine score where there's two squads of those. And then the two tactical, support rod score so that's five scoring units and then gilliman has that special rule where he can choose any vehicle type and then give it you know special abilities so normally storm eagles can be a little underwhelming but, but like imagine gilliman giving both the storm eagles tank hunter yep that'd be real i was just thinking about like how good a storm eagle like if you had the you know because he gets to pick his unit that he wants to give the buffs to that really yeah, you pick a type, you yeah. pick a type, and then everything of that type in that slot. So you would pay, say, fast attack storm eagle. So both of these storm eagles would gain tank hunter, or you could give both these storm eagles interceptors. So say you you went first, you would take turn one, then they would take turn one, and then your storm eagles come in on turn two. Then you, if they had interceptor, if they had their flyers come in on turn turn two you could immediately shoot those fucking flyers down out of the sky before they even go. Damn. Which seems very, like, dogfighty and fluffy. Pretty neat. Love it. Very air cat. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's, yeah. Q so that's kind of why I liked it. Um, yeah. There you go. So, um, you know, in worst case scenario, if you don't want to do either of that, you can always give counterattack to the assault marines. Um, they may actually... Did they get it in that right of war? I know they get hit and run on the one turn. They might get counterattack anyway for one turn or not for the whole game. Um, I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this this list would work and it still meets the criteria that you want. And then um, he wants to eventually build this into 5,000 points by throwing in a uh, the big fucking flyer. Stormbird. Stormbird. So the Stormbird thrown in on top of this is immediately going to jump to rough basically 4,000 points when you give it the orbital assault and then you have a thousand points left over to load up the uh stormbird with whatever you want to put in it so i mean once you get into that like, like super fucking high points levels it's like you don't need me to write your list just start fucking taking whatever you want just buy whatever just have yeah fun have fun point. yeah start start throwing it in i mean you should have fun all the time but you're not worried about trying to fit in when you have 5,000 points, you can fit in every fucking thing you want to fit in. You don't need to come to me to go, 
I need this theme and I'm struggling to fit these things in and still make it, you know, play halfway competitively. Like 5,000 points, you shouldn't have any fucking issues. So, um, anyway, I I hope you like that, uh, Daniel. What do you guys think about that? I like it. Yeah, dude, I really like the air cap feel for it. And then you're using a whole new way of using Gilliman. Like, you... You're making Storm Eagles great again. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of times the uh, the assault marines they were just kind of dropping out of uh, dropping out of flyers like uh, like paratroopers almost. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Which isn't very apocalypse now, but that's still pretty dope, I think. Yeah. The only thing I yeah, don't I mean, the see is like apocalypse now is like I don't really see the. Uh, uh, Ultramarines being like the get some, get some <laughs> on us full metal jacket. All right, yeah. never mind. Never yeah, mind. <laughs> but I guess I just, same, same I didn't concept. See, I didn't see any way of getting like foot slogging troops in, in flyers in turn one. The only way to do that, obviously, is with Perturabo, which is a weird. We've talked about that before. How he makes the best like air cav, whatever. But that's not doesn't seem very Iron Warrior to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not really so, a good way to reflect that. I feel like this is the the best I could come up with without just, like, sitting and fucking meditating on a mountaintop, I guess, for months and months and maybe coming up with something different. Please, whenever you do go on your month-long expedition and sabbatical, sabbatical let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. Good list, Ryan. Solid list. Ultramarine players, rejoice. Yay. <laughs> All right, what else we got? Next up on the list is the 3,000-point Black Shield list. comes from Lawrence. He says, hey, Ryan, I was wondering if you could please help me out with a couple of lists for a project I've been working on. I've developed a narrative for a Luna Wolf company that was on its way back to Terra when Horus fell and vowed to return to the Legion to bring their wayward brothers to justice. But due to their Legion and color scheme, they are mistrusted by both loyalists and traitors alike. I'd like to to be a Black Shield list, as they are quite uncommon, and feel that their style of play would reflect their narrative and potentially feature a Knight Errant as the Sigilite learns of their plight. The idea is to have an initial 3,000-point list that can be dropped or up or down in 1,000-point increments, so it can be adapted for slow-grow campaigns at my local club. The models available are essentially my Armored Breakthrough list, with a few extras, they are listed below, but more than happy for you to add or drop whatever you want. Within reason. I don't have Thunderhawk money. As this is going to be my long-term project, and I'm due for some Forge World vouchers around Christmas. So, uh, real quick on the fluff, man. It just so happens that I'm listening to the Shadow Wars kind of omnibus. And I'm listening to the... Uh, I'm not... I'm not sure what the actual like mini story is, but it's that Luna Wolf like traveling through the city. I think his name's Sarverian or Savarian, and he's like Luna Wolfing it up and like pissed off at all the people talking shit about Horus, even though he does know that Horus, you know, fucking yeah, and the uh, the Japanese guys chasing him. Yeah, the Japanese samurai guy. The samurais chasing him, like getting ready to kill him. And, like, there's some good fucking fluff for Luna Wolves in there. Just, like, how yeah. they Naga, operate. Nagasena is that guy's name. Yeah, he's got that special sword. The bounty sword. hunter guy. Yeah. And then, Sujiki uh, is his sword. Sujiki. Yeah. What's that dude's name? Sav- Savarian? Savarian? I think it's Savarian. And so I think it's Savarian, yeah. 
So basically, like he he's not a son of Horus. I mean, technically he is a son of Horus, but he was always, he was a Luna Wolf before he was a son of Horus, and he hates the idea of being a son of Horus, and he loves the idea of being a Luna Wolf, and he actually explains like what the idea behind the Luna Wolves fighting is like a lone wolf and like in the moonlight, like how how that is their style, and like it's re- it's real weird to like think of the sons of Horus or I guess like Luna wolves in general because their fighting style, you know, they, they have like, you know, the, the dirty fighters rule and shit like that. Like it doesn't really, I, I guess, lend to the Luna wolves nature, but the Luna wolves, I guess were pretty fucking like sneaky and shit. Like they were like pretty like Raven guardy and the way they, they handled their stuff. Like there's a lot of espionage going on and all that and all that. I don't know. It was a, it's a good story to read. He goes and jacks some fucking like Mark One armor. I think it's called Lone Wolf. Is the name of the story? Uh, it could be. It could be. I, I just know that it is in the uh, the Shadows War omnibus, and it just popped up. I'm after pretty sure I, the story is called Lone Wolf. Give it a give it a listen, man. It's uh, it's got some solid like Luna Wolves fluff, like Luna Wolf. Not exactly happy with Horus, but he gets it. But anyway, models available. So Lawrence has available to him a Praetor, Chaplain, Generic Centurion, six Justarian. Three of them have Chain Fist, three have Lightning Claws. Five Legion Terminators, two have Chain Fist, two have Lightning Claws, one has a Power Fist. Ten Reavers, two have Power Fist, two have Power Axes, six have Chain Axes. Thirty Mark IV Marines, two with Kami Meltas. Ten Mark III Support Marines with Volkites. One Spartan, one Lander, two Lander Phobos, two Predators, four Rhinos, one Glaive, two Leviathans with all the options, one Dual Carries Contemptor Mortis, any help you can give would be amazing. Cheers, Laurence. So I wasn't sure on the, like, Rot by War, what he wanted to do. I mean, I felt like looking him over, um, like Luna Wolves wise, because they're supposed to be like to kind of represent their their rules, but in a black shield form, um, like with how they have Dirty Fighter and stuff like that. Normally, I kind of felt like the Chimera, where you get Fleet Rage and um, what is it, Fleet Rage and Cause Fear, I believe. Yes. I mean, what do you? Yeah. So I kind of like that one. So I designed this list with that in mind. But if he wanted a different Rot by War, I mean, I could easily be you know, swap some things around, or he could even just try it with different Rot by Wars. This list should work with most of them anyway. And fluff-wise, the Chimera doesn't make a whole lot of sense either for what he's trying to do. Well, I mean, you could... I'm just saying, like, use the Chimera to get those special rules, but it's not like... You don't have to, like, use the part of it where it's like they're gene-crafted and all that shit. I'm just saying, like, the special rules for that particular thing fit with these guys gotcha okay that's that's all i'm saying um the other one that might fit there's one i I can't remember the name of it where you get a bunch of preferred enemy on the sergeants uh uh fuck i can vision it where it's at them it's the if you look at the page of the rot by wars it's on the first page and it's the last one on the left hand side of the book at the bottom of that page but i can't remember the name of it um, anyway, here's the list. So, you're going to want a Reaver Lord. 
Um, I just armed him with uh, Lightning Claw Power Fist, just because those are the t- two most expensive options for the two hands. Your Reaver Lord should, like, really be... You should put a really a lot of thought into the war gear you want to give this guy to really make him feel different, make him feel how you want him to feel. So really this war gear on him is really just a placeholder. I basically made him, it's essentially a 240 point fucking Reaver Lord. So I gave him all the whistles and bells. So feel free to shrink that down or whatever, but this is a placeholder for points that you can arm him however you want. So right now I have it just basically armed like the one that I threw in my list which is Artificer Armor, Lightning Claw, Power Fist, Digital Laser, Cyber Familiar, Rag Grenades, and Iron Halo. You may not want all that stuff, or you may want different whatever. Feel free to swap that up as however you want. But this is essentially going to be the most expensive guy you can build for the most part, so I felt like this would be a good placeholder for him to, you know, move the war gear around and have points to do that. So for the second HQ... You're only allowed one uh, console in a Black Shields army, so I just took one console. It's a chaplain. Uh, he has a... Uh, the Crozius is an axe. He's got Artificer Armor, Melt Bombs, Boarding Shield. For tr- troops, I took a 20-man Marauder unit, <laughs> which I want to see really bad. Um, all 20 of them have... Uh, uh, or, sorry, so the, the Marauder Chief has Power Fist and a sturdy shotgun and bolt pistol. And then the 19 Marauders, um, all of them have chain axes, 15 of them have shotguns, and four of them have pariah flamers. So that's a big, nasty 20-man unit, and your Reaver Lord and Chaplain will likely go in the squad with these guys, and we'll get to what's going on with them in a minute. Um... For the second troop's choice, I took another 10-man Marauder squad. Um, this 10-man squad, the the chief has Power Fist and Shotgun. Um, two of the guys have Pariah Flamers. The other seven have Shotguns. And the, the nine guys that aren't the chief have Chain Axes and Bolt Pistol. Um, and then for the third troop's choice, I have a Tactical Support squad um, with Volkite Chargers on all the guys. Actually, thinking of this, you may want to... Well, I use the Volkites. Never mind. I use the Volkites because uh, he already has a model. So basically, this is a squad that he has. So it's a full 10-man Volkite squad. They have uh, the additional chainsword bought for them, so they're going to have bolt pistol, chainsword, Volkite charger. The sergeant has artificer armor, and they're going to go in a, a rhino with a multi-milta. For elites, I have an apothecary detachment with one apothecary with artificer armor. It's going to go with the 20-man marauder unit and the chaplain and the reaver lord. Um, for the second elite slot, I have uh, 10 veterans. Um, they're weapon master vets, which I felt fit really well with this fluff. Um, two of them have power weapons. Uh, the sergeant has artificer armor and power fist, and the entire squad has melt bombs Oops. Then, uh, let's see, the third elite slot is just five Cataphracty Terminators. Uh, two of them have single lightning claws and combi bolters. Two of them have combi bolters and chain fist, and the sergeant has a combi bolter and a power fist, and they're in a dedicated Land Raider Phobos with Dozer Blade and Armored Ceramite. For fast attack, I have a single Xiphon Pattern Interceptor with ground tracking auguries. Um, then for heavy support, I took a Spartan assault tank with armored ceramite and dozer blade. So your 20 
Reavers, your Reaver Lord, your Chaplain, and your Apothecary, which is 23 guys, will all load up in the Spartan. Um, for the second heavy support slot, I took a Land Raider Phobos with Dozer Blade and Armored Ceramite. So your 10-man veterans can go in here and assault out of it and be super fucking nasty. And then for the last heavy support slot, I took another Land Raider Phobos with Dozer Blade and Armored Ceramite. And the 10-man Marauder Squad that would have normally been on foot uh, go in that Land Raider. So you're going to have 10, 10 Marauders with... Uh, so remember, Marauders are two attacks base, and then they have bolt pistol chain chain axe and then a shotgun so they're going to be able to double tap you with the shotgun and then charge in and be two attack space uh another attack for dual close combat weapon and then they're going to have rage so they're going to go up to five attacks at Jesus. strength five because they got a chain axe so these the so the 10 uh 10 marauders in the land raider that's going to be essentially 50 attacks on the charge um some of them be power fist attacks and the other ones all be strength five chain axe attacks um, then what's really insane is the, the one, the one's going in, the one's going in the Spartan, that's a 20 man unit. So they're going to get out, shoot you with, Oh, sorry. The other squad had a few pariah flamers in there too. So this 20 man unit is going to jump out and lay down four pariah flamer shots on you. Then shoot you with 16 shotguns or double tapping. So it's 32 shotgun shots and then charge in. And each guy is going to be five attacks on the charge, and there's 20 of them, so it's 100 attacks on the charge. And then you're going to also, then they're all re-rolling to hit because of the chaplain. And then the chaplain gets his attacks, and then the reaver lord gets his attacks, and the apothecary gets his attack. So it's like 120 some attacks or whatever. It's pretty fucking crazy. God, uh, coming damn. out of Spartan. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, at strength five or higher because of the chain axe. Um, then the veterans, they're they're obviously they're going to do the same thing because they're two attacks base. They're going to be dual armed um, because of the bolt pistol chainsword, and then they're going to have rage, so they're five attacks also. So when they come out of their land raider, they're also going to be fucking a crazy amount of attacks. And remember, two of those guys have power axes, so just those two guys alone are going to be um, ten power axe attacks, and then the sergeant's going to throw in another two four. What is it? Two base, two for the charge. Yeah, that's it. So, and then the sergeant's going to have four uh, power fist attacks. So, and then you're going to have all the guys, just normal guys in this unit, throwing out five attacks. The cool thing about this is like a wave of attacks that's all at initiative. So, you can, like, this big 20 man blob, like, if somebody has, like, a bunch of cataphracty or something, normally you want to go after that with something that's AP2, but you're going to be unwieldy. So, it's going to ensure, like, mutual destruction. Because these two guys charge out are going to be fighting at initiative four with just a swarm of high strength attacks, um, pretty fucking scary. You know what I mean? Like they're going to have to like fight through a lot of armor saves and hope they don't roll a lot of ones, and they're going to lose a whole bunch of guys before they ever fight back. For real. So that's kind of the idea. So you're going to be all this shit, and then you have your own Terminator squad. So you're going to have three, or sorry, yeah, three Phoboses and a Spartan, all pushing forward. So that's a lot of heavy armor. You got the Zyphon for anti-air. I went with the Zyphon. Normally my flyer of choice for anti-flyer if you're only going to use one as a fire after because we've talked about before where it can suppress multiple things. Um, I'm out of heavy support in this particular list, so I just threw the... the I wanted an anti-air flyer, and the only thing I had open was fast attack, so I threw a Zyphon in. It's all right. It's not bad. Um, and 
the tactical support marines you already owned. They're going to be pretty nasty, though. I mean, they're only in a rhino, so they can't assault out of it. I ran out of points, or I would try to fit another land raider in, which would have been fucking awesome, but I just didn't have the points. But um, these guys are, you know, can obviously shoot the Volkite Charger, but even when they charge, they're going to be they're one attack bait. They're going to be four attacks on the charge, you know, for the squad. So it's still 40 attacks. So this unit's just going to be, it's really assault oriented, but it's got a decent amount of shooting with all the last cannons on the land Raiders and the Zyphon, um, the Volkite weapons, and then just like all the flamer and shotgun shots. So I feel like this would be a pretty solid all around list. Yeah. It's pretty beat face, man. Like if <laughs> if they're not catching you on fire, then they're beating the shit out of you running out of the Spartan. So it's a good list. But that that's something I always wanted to do, like reaver squads, because you can jack them all the way up to twenty, and they're they're the only foot unit that I'm aware of that's two attacks that has like a veteran style profile that you can jack all the way up to a twenty man unit. Yeah, I think so. And then the fact that they get free chain axes, and then you can give them the the chimera thing, which gives them rage, where they jump up to five attacks, makes them pretty insane. Pretty cool. Almost pretty pretty uh, almost puts world leaders to shame. Wouldn't want to see that on the cross table. Like Jesus. Yeah. So anyway, I kind of like that list. I thought it was a neat idea, and it uses. Because he's got, uh, he's already got the Spartan. He's got two Land Raiders, so he'd have to buy a third. He's got the Rhino. He's got uh, all the Marines to make it happen. He's got the Terminators. Um, he's got the Volkite guys. He's got the Praetor. I don't know what it's armed with. He could use that as his Reaver Lord. He's got, got the ch- Chaplain. So he really, he'd just have to get the Zyphon for the Anti-Air, the other Land Raider, and then some arm swaps to make the... Because he already has the Reavers. The Sons of Horus Reavers, which is what I used for my Marauders, you can those guys will transfer directly over. Um, so we just have to either get some more of those guys or convert some of the Power Armor guys, whatever he wanted to do. But he should have, like, 90% of this shit. It's pretty swell of you. Taking care of him like that. Just go get some 3D printed chain axes. Well, rock and roll, man. So, yeah. That's it. That's the two lists we're doing on the show. I obviously have plenty more. Um, <laughs> so we'll uh, I'll get these other ones. I'll send them off through back channels or read them in a later show or whatever. So Love it. All the lists. All the new Horus Heresy interest coming in. So That's going to be it for this show, guys. If you want to reach out to us, if you want to contact us, you can go. You can email us at Ryan at Warhammer30k.com, Michael at Warhammer30k.com, Derek at Warhammer30k.com, or Scott at Warhammer30k.com. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can always call us at 209-RFI-30K0 if you're international and you want to leave us a voicemail and you don't want to use that long distance, go ahead and pop us over an email, mp3 format, over to our email addresses and we'll still play it on the air. Three of our voicemails today were over email, so we make sure they get played. Uh, if you haven't already, go check us out on Facebook and uh, follow our page. We have a lot of updates. We put a lot of stuff on that Facebook page. And uh, if you really, really like us, 
uh, we do have a Patreon that we do have a, a number of guests on, and we do have a closed Patreon group. We also have a closed Patreon chat that gets fucking wild, and we go full bars, hand out, like, like whatever whatever Ryan's thinking. He knows it's safe that he can say it in the pod, into the podcast Patreon group. So, uh, that's all I have. Anything else you fellas want to add before we sign off? Go to the music? Uh, I think we just about covered it. I didn't mention it in the Black Shields list, but um, Black Shields have the same, same drawback that like Pride of the Legion has, essentially, where you have to have uh, more Legion Astartes than you do vehicles, but they accept they uh, exclude dedicated transports. So nice. that's what makes that list legal, because the Rhino and one of the Lantern Raiders was dedicated. So it ends up being 7-5 to five in favor of Legion Astartes. So it is legal. I did take that into consideration. If somebody's questioning me, just throwing that out there. <laughs> Dude, what's crazy is like you know somebody did catch that, and they're like, oh, I'm going to get Ryan so bad. They're already signing off. He didn't get Fuck! <laughs> Ryan's like, oh, by the way. You just got dealt with. By the way, Eugene. <laughs> He's like, damn it. God damn it. I was going to send him an email. I was already typing it up. <laughs> but anyway, guys, uh, one thing that we are going to go ahead and ask you, fellas, you know, Ryan does all these lists and everything like that, and, you know, we – we try and make this as selfless as possible, but one thing that we, we are going to ask amongst all you people is if you could do us one favor. If Ryan writes a list for you, right, and you decide that you love that list and you want to go cr- immediately create this order to Forge World to go and let them know, like, I'm going to play some Heresy. I've got a cool new list from Radio Free Estevan. If you could just help us out, and right there where it says delivery instructions, just go ahead and put Radio Free Estevan made me bust. We'd appreciate that. If you could just just, just put that in there, Radio Free Estevan made me bust. That way, you know, and take a screenshot of it, send it to us. If you get a receipt or anything like that in your in your uh, in your package, it says that. If you could send that our way. We definitely appreciate that. We're trying to get as many orders as we can to say Radio Freest Van made me bust. That way, uh, that way we can know, you know, like hey, we help. We know, and, and they know that you guys are Heresy fans, and you're putting that order in for Heresy, and it keeps keeps their attention on Heresy and making the game good. Beautiful. So. If you guys could take care of that, we definitely appreciate that. If you need help with that, don't hesitate to contact Ryan at Warmer30k.com and he will walk you through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get enough email. Bring me some more emails. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Hey, mommy. Hey, mommy, do you want to invent like three new fucking weird contests or whatever so people can email me about it when I know nothing about anything what you got fucking going on? I'm pretty sure I'm getting Michael's like work emails like, Hey, I'm at computer terminal number 32 at the Dallas fucking annex, and you were still like, who the fuck are you, buddy? Like, well, Michael told me. Well, fuck Michael. I don't care. Fucking email him. I love it. I love starting things and getting getting emails sent to Ryan. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Y'all have a good one. We're going to cut to the music. Later, guys.
he was born. The only things he got from growing up were the will to fight and hatred. There was never anyone to love him. No one. That's why I wanted to save him. I thought I could. But I was wrong. He looked at me like... Like he'd never known me. There was no recognition at all.